The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the PKD Black Box, episode 35. Welcome back to the PKD Black Box. I'm your host, Sean Pryor. This week's episode, the PKD Black Box Matinee Idols Collabo Month continues with guests Alec Berry and Joey Alicio of the Matinee Idols podcast, and Alec of Teenage Wasteland, as we discuss the state of the film industry. We talk about um, how we feel about the film industry this year. We talk about the, sum- the, the summer films, the quote-unquote blockbusters. We talk about what the industry's doing right right now, what they're doing wrong. Uh, we talk about our movie-going experiences, um, how we view and consume media nowadays, all types of things. Really good episode. If you love movies and you love, like, industry talk or you want to get hip to it. Oh, we also talk about the uh, state of 3D cinema as well. But if you want to get hip to all that, why don't you take a listen to this episode? It's a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoy it. But before I do that, um, there was a slight error in last week's episode. Uh, Matt Burden sent me an email to remedy this situation. Last week's episode, we talked about some of our favorite 80s action movies, and it was myself along with guest Matt Burden of the Matinee Idols podcast. He had mentioned that his first movie he ever saw with Chuck Norris was Radon right and Tebby. And he emailed me today to let me know that he was completely incorrect and he just had Chuck Norris on the brain. He meant to say that Radon and Tebby had Charles Bronson, not Chuck Norris. So he wanted to apologize for that. I told him not to worry about it. But he wanted to bring that to light. So now that's been fixed and now out in the open. So now you know Radon and Tebby is actually Charles Bronson, not Chuck Norris. The end. And now I got some things I want to talk to you about and then we'll get to today's feature presentation. Mad after the fact, just a man who wants his fucking life back. Addicted to the Prozac, haters on the Bozak. West Coast rap, so you better know that, yo. Kojak couldn't catch the flow. Kojak with the cold rap. Now, that music you just heard over the break is from a gentleman by the name of Adam Warrock, a.k.a. Eugene Ahn. I first found out about this, uh, about this gent from a podcast called War Rocket Ajax, where he and Chris Sims, they go in and they interview all types of comic creators and stuff. Really good podcast, by the way. Kudos to them for that. But one episode I listened to, at the end of the show, he rhymed over uh, an instrumental of Death of Autotune, and it was like this hip-hop slash like comics type deal where he was just like throwing in all types of comic book metaphors and stuff like that and it was fantastic i just loved it so i started to listen more and more to the war rocket ajax podcast and then i found out about adam warrock's website www.adamwarrock.com now it was there that i found out about the west coast avengers mixtape and or the west coast avengers ep this is available for free if you go to adamwarrock.com. That's A-D-A-M-W-A-R-R-O-C-K.com. Now, what Adam Warrock has done, this is a gentleman who in real life, he like quit his career as a lawyer to focus full-time on like rap and hip-hop. And what he's done with this mixtape, he's taken some of his favorite hip-hop songs from the West Coast, found the instrumentals, and he's just like rhyming over them. Each track is named after 
a West Coast Avenger. So you got a track called Hawkeye and Mockingbird. You got a track called Wonder Man. You got a track called Hank Pym, which is like one of my favorite tracks on the album because it samples the uh, remix of uh, Check Yourself with Ice Cube and Das FX. And it's perfect for um, how he's flowing about Hank Pym. Um, let's see, there's a track about Spider-Woman. There's all types of tracks. There's a track called War Machine, which is actually pretty good. And actually, this um, leads me to my next point. It's not just like geek hip-hop. There's a lot of realism in this uh, free mixtape as well. And what I mean by that is, in a song like War Machine, he's actually, uh, he samples um, Cypress Hill's How, How I Could Just Kill a Man. And yes, this, you know, and the song is named after War Machine, but it's also talking about things like uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome, um, you know, it's talking about like the you know the war that we're currently in right now. This country is currently in right now, and all just all types of things. And I just I kind of find that to be very uplifting. And I mean, and what I mean by that, and I'm sorry if my thoughts seem very very jumbled right now. I just got a lot on my mind after listening to CP a couple of times again. It's like I said, it's not just geek hip hop. It's geek hip hop, and it's also very um conscious as well. And sometimes when you say conscious hip hop people like, you know, kind of turn their heads and like, uh, like I don't want to listen to that. I just want to party, party, party. Well, it, this has a little bit of everything. Like I said, it's got that conscious hip-hop. It's got that geek hip-hop. It's got that fun that sometimes I think hip-hop is missing and sometimes I think rap is missing. So it's good on all angles. And I just, I really, really loved it. And I thought it was fantastic. My favorite track on the whole album, though, besides Hank Pym, is a track called Vision. And for anybody who, like myself, is trying to do something from a creative aspect, whether it be you're trying to make comics, whether you're trying to make film, music, whether you're an art, you know, artist, a painter, I mean, anything. Anytime you're trying to build from within to express outward for people or for you to see, it's quite a challenge. And sometimes we have that internal self-doubt and we don't think we can do it. And, you know, not only that, but we have life that's surrounding us as well and our everyday functions and everyday things that we have to do that kind of weigh in on how we're able to not only perform as individuals and human beings, but in the overall creation of the craft that we're trying to, you know, that we're actually trying to uh, get to. And this song is very influencing, um, or I'm sorry, this song is very influential and it's very inspiring. It's one of my favorite tracks on the album, um, that and Hank Pym, because the Hank, just anybody, you know, rapping <laughs> solid lyrics over Check Yourself is just off the chain. But if you go to adamwarrock.com, not only will you be able to find the link for the West Coast Avengers EP or mixtape, uh, you also find the Adam Warrock track log, which has songs that he's just done, like pretty much like every couple days. He's just got songs you can download for free that you can just listen to. A lot of good stuff on there. He actually has a preview of the artwork for his uh, new album dropping uh, very soon called Adam Warrock, The War for Infinity, which is loosely based around the Infinity Gauntlet. And he actually talks about that a little bit at the end of the West Coast Avengers uh, mixtape. So the artwork is really cool. And like I said before, this gentleman's music is really cool. I, re I really like what he does. And and now more and more I think about it, I, the fact that like a lot of people relegate it to geek hip hop, I think that's kind of a slight because it's more than just geek hip hop. To me, it's just hip hop. And, the, and sometimes I think the worst thing that happens with music is that we, or with anything in general, we have to give it a classification and so it can stand here and this stands over there. And I, sometimes I really, I really find that foolish. It's just hip hop. So it shouldn't matter whether 
it's talking about geek stuff or conscientious stuff or or just having a party. It's it's all part of hip hop. You know, it's all part of the artistic creation of music. So let's stop classifying this stuff. If it's dope, it's dope. I don't care what it is. And you know, I hope you feel the same way. Props to Adam Warrock, aka Eugene Ahn. I definitely want to interview this cat uh, sometime in the near future, if possible. Like I said, man, he's doing great things. And the fact that he quit his everyday job to pursue his dream is, um, that's that's a bold move, man, because a lot of people are either afraid to do that or they just can't do that. So props to him for you know going for his dream. His official debut album, The War for Infinity, drops on September 23rd in digital and CD formats. So just get ready for that. And seriously, go to adamwarrock.com. I'll have show notes on our website for, you know, our po- for our podcast and whatnot that will give you the link to the site. And uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed. So go peep that. And once again, Adam, props to you. Two other things I need to talk to you about real quick before we get to our feature presentation. One of those things is a webcomic. Um, this webcomic is by Tim Fisher, and it's called Life with the Wife. It's the comic strip misadventures of a beaten down artist and the woman that loves him. The most striking thing about the webcomic is that uh, some of the things that come out of her mouth <laughs> are less than pleasant, but it actually makes for a funny comic strip telling. A standard comic strip format, uh, full color, Tim Fisher's art is very nice. He's one of those dudes where this art style can't be duplicated or replicated. And I just find that to be really refreshing. Uh, there are not a lot of strips up. He's starting to update it again on a more frequent basis. So if you um, are kind of scared about hopping on reading a webcomic because there's so many there's so many uh, back comics that you got to read, you really don't have that problem with life with the wife. I think you'll find it quite enjoyable. It's kind of like imagine a, a female version of uh, shit my dad says without all the uh, le- you know lessons learned. This is just somebody that just... This <laughs> this artist's wife just speaks her mind. You know, the husband might not always like it, but in the end, they do love each other. So check out Tim Fisher's Life with the Wife at Comics Mill, C-O-M-I-X-M-I-L-L.com, and I think you'll dig it. He's got some other comics on there, too, that you might want to take a look at. And Life with the Wife is not for the kids, so know that. All right, moving on. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but recently on PinkRaygun.com, they posted a memo. Paramount posted like way, 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 way back in 1987 when they were doing uh, casting for Star Trek The Next Generation. And in this memo, there were like a lot of people that, you know, famous people that we know now that were considered for like the roles of Picard and, and Geordi and stuff like that. But what's crazy is if Picard was not played by Patrick Stewart, here were the following other people that may have, you know, played uh, Jean-Luc Picard. Mitch Ryan, uh, Roy Thins, Yafet Koto, and Patrick... Bashao. The name that sticks out most for me is Jafet Kodo because that's the brother that was in Homicide, Life on the Street, fantastic show, fantastic actor. I'm trying to imagine Jafet Kodo as Picard because I'm just, you know, we're all so ingrained to having Patrick Stewart there or Professor X just sitting in the chair chilling. But um, yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of weird. And and Jordy, not only was LeVar Burton up for the role of Jordy, but so was Wesley Snipes. Remember, this is pre- Passenger 57, Drop Zone, Rising Sun, Wesley Snipes. This is more more like, uh, this may even be pre-Willie Mays Hayes, Major League, Wesley Snipes. And Clarence Gilliard Jr. Um, you may remember that brother as the computer geek on Die Hard. That's Chuck Norris's buddy cop partner in Chuck Norris, I almost said Chuck Norris, Texas Ranger. Walker, 
Texas Ranger. So he could have played Jordy too. It's kind of crazy. And Deanna Troy was a, their number one choice at the time was originally Denise Crosby, who ended up playing Tasha Yar. So this um, article is actually on uh, pinkraygun.com. It should be like, I think from August 26th. So if you get a second to take a look at it, if you're a Star Trek fan, if not, just pass it on by. And now our feature presentation. All right, on today's show, I have two co-hosts of the Matinee Idols podcast with me online. Number one is Joey Alicio. See, I fucked it up again, but that's all right because we're going to let it roll. Joey <laughs> Alicio. Joey, how you doing, sir? I'm very good, sir. Oh, but see, I, I, I fuck up that, that man's last name every time I try to talk to him. I feel so bad about <laughs> it. And on the other line is fellow co-host of Matinee Idols and host of the Teenage Wasteland podcast, Mr. Alec Berry. How you doing, sir? What's up, sir? And don't feel bad. I mispronounce the man's last name all the time, too. So, for I need the electric company to come out with the dude on one side and the dude on the other side <laughs> and be like, ah, this EO. Listen, you know, I, I need that right now. See, I need that. The reason why we are on this call today is that this is another part of what I like to call Matinee Idols Month, where back on the September 8th episode, we had Matt Burton on to talk about um, some of our favorite 80s action movies. And now this week, we are rolling into the state of the film industry. And with the Matinee Idols, they talk about... Or lack of the film industry. Well, really. There you go. And we're going to talk about that. <laughs> oh, it's going to get angry. <laughs> <laughs> and with everything that the Matinee Idols do at their podcast, uh, matineeidols.com, correct? Correct. All right, and that's Idols, I-D-L-E-S. There Let's just hire Sean as our spokesman. He does it better than any of us. Look at that. <laughs> I was pro. Oh, hey, I have my moments. These gentlemen talk about film a lot, and they also talk about, you know, the film industry sometimes. Like, I was on an episode with them. As a matter of fact, you heard that episode on September 1st of when we talked about Jurassic Park. I was a guest on their show. had a great time. And some things about the industry came up. And so I thought, yo, you know, how can we continue this talk? You know, I got a hold of Joey, got a hold of Alec, and we collaborated to do this State of the Film Industry episode. So... Um, we're going to talk about all types of things with the movie industry from, like, you know, how we feel about the summer film season, what studios are doing right, what they're doing wrong, all types of stuff. So, you know what? Let's go ahead and get this party started. Gentlemen, whoever wants to answer this question first, feel free. And if you want to chime in anytime, go ahead. How do you feel about this summer's film season? Good, bad, or indifferent? You want to take it, Joe? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, I was actually just, like, thinking about this before because I remember – I even asked Alec at the beginning of the summer. I was trying to see like every big movie, and uh, as it went on, I just kind of was like lost interest. I haven't even seen a couple of things I wanted to see yet. Um, like that's kind of how like disinterested I kind of was in the summer. Like like there was there was a few good films, but I don't know. This summer hasn't had that spark. I think that a lot of, like a lot of past summers have had, and which I felt kind of like dimly fading away each summer as like we kind of got to this one i don't know if this that just happened to do this summer i think it was like the first summer you're starting to see a lot of the stuff from the writer strike you know like stuff like you know that was rushed into production and so that might be part of it i don't really know but i don't know like other than yeah, other than like one or two movies i really wasn't that enthralled with uh this summer and like there was a few i liked but i don't know, nothing i think i i loved really other than yeah. maybe one i'd say probably yeah, I'm gonna. I, I think I would go more on indifferent. Going into the summer, I was there was a lot of things like I really wanted to see. Like whenever we do our trailer talk episodes on MI, like usually when we go through our trailers, I'm like, oh yeah, I'd see that. I'll go see that. That's in my plans. 
But literally, I've probably only been to the theaters like two or three times this whole summer. If you like start it clear back in May or whatever. And it's just like a lot of the stuff that's coming out, it's just like oh, I could easily watch it on DVD. I don't need to go to the theaters for that. And I mean, this summer, there's only been one movie that I was really excited for, where it's, which is different because usually every summer there's like two or three or even four movies and just like, oh, I got to go see that. I can't wait till that comes out. But this summer, it's just like Inception. That was the only movie I was really, really excited for. And everything else just kind of seemed to just be remakes, um, just mishmashes of genres and nothing really, you know, appeared interesting to me. And I think we'll get into that on a larger scale when we talk later um, as this episode goes on. But, I mean, the only thing that really stuck out to me this year was the original concept. And, I mean, Scott Pilgrim, which is coming out here this weekend as we as we record right now, I'm looking forward to. But other than that, like, yeah, this summer really hasn't struck me like other summers usually do. Yeah, I'm on the indifferent tip um, as well because of the simple fact that for you know, there were a few movies that came out this summer that I really wanted to go see, and some I and some I did go see, and there are others where there was there's a period of time where everybody just decided, you know, what we're going to do for the month of June and July, fuck it, we're just going to put everything out, and that really kind of like you know hurt me going to the films, and even though it's going to the movies because even though it's cheaper where I live than say for instance where where Joey lives to go see a movie, whether it be matinee or uh, or regular feature money is still tight so i have to make my choices and i will agree with alec on the fact that there were some things on on here that, on the list of movies this summer that i'm like yeah this does look like a like you know a, a film that's just i'm like this is built for dvd there's nothing that says you know what i need to go to the movies and see that right now and i had a i had a problem with that i also had a problem with look i don't have a problem with sequels okay to a point to to a point i don't have a problem with sequels because i enjoyed iron man 2 a lot i really did but I didn't really feel a need for another Shrek, and no. I li- and I like Shrek. I, I do. I just I, I wasn't I wasn't feeling it. I just I'm like I'm not excited to go see this. And I know you know and I know it's not for me, but I'm a big cartoon fan, and I'm a big, you know, like you know, I'm a very big cartoon fan, whether it be computer animated or you know two dimension. I'm a very big yeah. cartoon fan, and I just wasn't feeling it. It was just like the fact that like for me, I thought Shrek just kind of ended with the first movie. I really didn't see the story going on. I just kind of liked the way that ended. And then they try to catch cash in on like the whole 3D movement right now, which just kind of threw me off because I'm not into the 3D thing. So yeah, I'd agree with you there. Well, well, Shrek three was also in 3D, but see that was when, but that was when 3D was yo a couple okay yo a couple of cinemas you know we got some 3D stuff in here so go ahead and we'll put out this 3D feature but but everybody and their mama wasn't trying to put on a fucking 3D movie <laughs> and see you know that's a mandated thing yeah you know, but, oh yeah no you're right <laughs> no, go, go ahead go it ahead, doesn't sorry. come from a um it doesn't come from like a creative point like i think when you oh. mentioned like when did Shrek 3 2007 right yeah i think so yes i think like in 2005 well there was a 3D there was the shark boy and lava girl i think was one and um, the Spy Kids, I think a couple, a couple like kids oh, movies. Yeah. Were in yeah. yeah, I remember Spy Kids. Yeah, um, and, see, but uh, it seemed more like I remember Beowulf was in 3D, and like that seemed like definitely a choice on the director's part for it to be in 3D. It didn't seem like let's throw 3D on here, we'll make like 30 percent more, you know? Right. Like now, now it's everything is I don't know, it's too much, and then the theaters don't even actually project the 3D correctly. They don't. Put no, up the extra they don't have enough power to do it. Looks right. awful. So oh, I don't yeah, it's too dark. Talks more. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough, man, and 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 that's why I can't co-sign on it. I'm like, look, first off, perfect example is like Warner Brothers, and I and I, and I know Joe. You know, we've talked about this before. <laughs> we talked about Warner Brothers before, but <laughs> oh, it's the Warner bashing. I don't. Yeah, know. No, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to Warner bash, but I'm trying to make. I'm just gonna make an example on this. You gonna make a sequel to Cats and Dogs, a film that was made. Oh, I don't know how how many years ago. Yeah. Years ago, it, I think. 
And back then it made money. It made money in the movie theater. It made even more, you know, after, you know, replays and DVD sales and all this other stuff. I think I watched it. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was like six or seven when that thing came out and I watched it. Oh, you youngin'. youngin'. I know. But but the the whole thing about it is, though, is that they waited all this time to come out with a sequel. And specifically make it 3D. I'm pretty, they probably had some 2Ds, but 2D uh, showings. But they said, you know, it's 3D. They really pushed that. Who was asking for that? I, I, I mean, I really don't know. I mean, even if you wanted to use that as counter programming, I'm like, yo, yo. It's, I, it kind of rings to me too. It's almost like progress for the sake of progress. Like I think, I think a lot of people enjoyed 3D on like a thing like Avatar. But I think now studios are almost like, you know, this is the future. 3D is the future, so we must make it the future. And they're kind of like shoving 3D down the audience's throat now. And it's kind of like they're not really giving us any other choice. Because like when Toy Story 3 came out and it was in theater and I went and saw it, they had a 2D version and they had a 3D. And I, I would prefer the 2D version because after a while the 3D starts giving me the headache because I already wear glasses. And then put the 3D glasses on top of my glasses, it's just like... My head's gonna explode after you know two hours of watching something, right. and but I go to the theater and they don't have the 2D. They only have the 3D, so I'm forced to kind of go see the 3D. And I, I don't, I don't like the way that's playing out. Just studios kind that's of. That's like, actually Whoa. why I haven't seen Toy Story 3 because the theater I like to go to only was showing it in 3D. Yeah, so. and it's just like I, I don't like being forced to kind of like you know 3D is the future, and you must be forced to go into it and focus on it. I, I just I don't like that vibe. You know, it's not just, you know, regular people saying that, you know, they're kind of, you know, kind of fed up with this whole every studio trying to make everything 3D. When John uh, Favreau said about uh, Cowboys and Aliens, he said that uh, fans should go see, the, go see the film twice in regular 2D. And that was pulled from an article on the um, Christian Science Monitor uh, written by uh, Gloria Goodale back on August 3rd. And other directors have like backlashed against it, too, like J.J. Uh, Abrams. And and other and other people Chris as well. Nolan is Chris Nolan is like, like yeah. the most notorious, I think. Oh yeah, and see, and like Inception didn't need to be in 3D. Uh, you know, I but mean, actually, Warner Warner's at one time said for the next Batman, they said it would. They were even a press release, so they said, "Oh, it'll definitely be in 3D." And then, like the next week, like when Inception came out and made all that money, it was like Chris Nolan's like, "Nothing I shoot will be in 3D." So Batman's not in 3D anymore. See, and that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Which I was happy to hear because I was like, "Oh, that, that's yeah, not thank what God." I you know, and it's just it's one of those things because, you know, Hollywood is like latched on to 3D for the simple fact it's a way for them to get like between three to five extra dollars per ticket. You, you know, as far as like between a studio and Hollywood studio, well, not studios, but I'm sorry. Uh, movie theaters get like three to five extra dollars per ticket. That money gets split between a studio and, and a movie theater. So that's extra money in their pocket. But the problem is, is that they're thinking, OK, we could just live off of this. I'm like, well, dude, you don't un- people don't understand Panasonic and, and Samsung. They're making 3D TVs now. So, mm-hmm. the, you know, the Hollywood studio is thinking we've got something that people don't have at home. Well, pretty soon that won't be the case. Yeah. But at the same time, you, my whole thing with 3D is this. If you're going to make a 3D movie, have a purpose for making a 3D movie. That's my, that's my complaint as well. It's just like... The thing about the, the whole studio... Oh, continue, Alec. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, I'm tired of the whole gimmick aspect of 3D. You know, I like it in Avatar because it's that's part of that movie. That's what that movie is. It was made for 3D. It's part of that story. But then you see Clash of the Titans, and it's like a, it's a it's a transfer over to 3D, and it's like the, it does nothing to the story. The 3D conveys nothing. It's it's just there as a flare and a gimmick to sell some extra tickets, and that's the thing I don't like about it. If you're gonna use 3D, implement it into the story and make it make it work with the movie and not kind of just there. But go ahead and say what you're gonna say, Joe. 
Oh, I was saying, but I think the worst, the absolute worst thing about kind of now everything being in 3D is movies like Piranha 3D, which are coming out this summer, which was a nice, fun idea a couple of years ago. They thought, hey, let's put this in 3D because it's like a nice kind of throwback to, you know, those 50s horror movies and, and the original Piranha. And yep. like, now you look at it and it's just cynicism. It's like, oh, that's in 3D too? It's like, well, no, that was originally what was supposed to be in 3D. Yeah. And now I think the kind of what would have been kind of a kitschish kind of charm to that movie is now just like cynicism. Now people are like, oh, even this is going to be in 3D too. Exactly. And it's just kind of, and it's like, it sucks because I think that that movie could have benefited a lot from being the only 3D, especially the movie of its kind. It's just a fun monster. It would have made it some. It would have made it something special. Made it stand out. I mean, and like now you know, it's, it's in the summer of 3D. You know. Yeah, but before, like, if there was no other 3D movies, it would just not be some cheesy horror movie. It would be something to kind of go see, like an event. It would kind of could be. It could be Avatar in a smaller scale, okay. but it's not going to be that anymore because it's not special. Right. It was Nothing like, would huh. put a smile on my face more than if Piranha 3D had been bigger than Avatar. <laughs> that would have been <laughs> number one, like highest grossing film. Well, that would have been great. No, see, it's funny that you, that you mentioned that with 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 Piranha though, Joey, because yeah, they had said that a while ago. Another example of that, and people might laugh, but I remember two years ago sitting sitting with sitting with my wife upstairs. She wanted to watch. Uh, so you think you can dance? I was like, I'll watch it with you because I need to spend some time with you because I do too much comic book stuff. So I sat there and I watched it, and like one of the one of the one of the judges on the show was a producer for Step Up 3D, and this was and he had just Adam Shankman, right? Yeah, I think so. And he said he said like that episode. This is a couple years back. He said this film was going to be in 3D, and this was before the 3D boom. So I'm like, you know what? You're trying to get ahead of the game. You want to do one? Fine. I have no problem with that. You go do your thing. Cool. But once again, comes out now in the midst of this 3D influx. It's like oh. This is a bad move, player. This is a real bad move. So there's an issue. There's an issue there. But like, I'm not mad at them because at least a couple of years ago, they, you know, they had rights to say, "Yo, we're doing this." But now it looks like they were just like you said with Piranha, just cashing in. And actually, I've actually heard that the 3D and Step Up was actually a lot of fun. Yeah, because they that movie actually was kind of fun. So they, I don't know. I didn't see it, but I might watch it later on because now they're was, saying that was oh, Tabor. I think that was Tabor's review yeah, from Fancast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it kind of made me want to watch it too because he was like, the first one's actually like a pretty good movie, and then the second one's kind of crappy, but there's some cool dancing. And then I'm like, you know what? I could watch it 3D. But white, yeah, keep going. White hip hop kids save the ghetto. Exactly in 3D. <laughs> in 3D. In 3D. I gotta see that. This actually kind of goes hand in hand with summer. Studios, movie stacking, or poor scheduling. There's a problem. 20th Century Fox was a bad culprit of this this year. Movie stacking. If you want to, if you want your films to make money, how are you going to have seven films drop from the beginning of June to the end of to like early July? They dropped Ramona and Beezus, Marmaduke, A Team, Cyrus, Night and Day, and Predators between June and July. How are any of these movies supposed to make any money if you're literally fighting against yourself? That was that's a conversation I think me and Joe have had before, like where and I think we've talked about it. I think we touched it a little bit too in the Jurassic Park episode where like back in the day, you know, like when there was a big Hollywood blockbuster that hit the theater, it was kind of like a special thing because like it, you know, it was a rare occurrence almost, you know. It wasn't it wasn't an all it wasn't every Friday type of thing where you had a big action movie come through. And then you kind of look at it now and it's like Every single Friday, there's a new big Hollywood blockbuster. One week you have Eighteen, next week you have Night and Day, next week you have Predators. And like you say, it is 
it's it's really it is competing against each other because back in the day when there was this big Hollywood blockbuster like Jurassic Park hit, everybody had to go see it because this was something that didn't really happen all the time. It was maybe a once a year occurrence. And so everybody flocked to the movie theaters and spent their money and the movie was a big success. But now I think people are starting to kind of take for granted those types of movies. And when you have one every single week, people really don't feel the need to kind of go out to the theater and see Predators because next week they're going to have the A-Team and it's going to be kind of the big same explosion type movie as, you know, they come out every single week. And I think that is a big flaw because I think, I think you know, studios realize the power of those big summer blockbuster movies earlier on and now they're at the point where they're just trying to shove too many of them out and it's kind of imploding on each other. And it's just it's it's really getting, I think, towards the end. And I think this year in general is kind of a sign of that. I think the big two biggest examples I can think of kind of what Alec was mentioning were like there is kind of a good movie that is kind of a big spectacle of people just like, eh, whatever, was um Ridley Scott's Robin Hood and I think the um the A T movie this summer. Mm-hmm. I remember when I saw him like uh when I went to see Robin Hood and Robin Hood wasn't it wasn't like excellent, but it was a good movie. And I, I remember watching it and thinking, like, because everyone originally like, wrote that off completely before it even came out. And yeah. I don't know, thoughts on it didn't change much after it came out. But when I was watching it, I was looking at it and I'm like, you know, this is like a really well put together film. And I'm looking at the set design and the art direction and like how, and, and I'm, because Ridley Scott directed my favorite film of all time. So I'm like, I'm, I'm look, I know what he does. I know he's great at creating worlds and environments. And I'm watching these scenes and I'm like, wow, this is like, they're showing like a, I don't know, I don't usually love kind of like older period piece stuff very much, but um that's obviously what the Robin Hood movie kind of was. And there's these scenes where you just see like, you know, valleys of people and like they're, it's just so alive and like it kind of, it feels so real. And, and I'm thinking, I'm like, wow, like nobody's appreciating any of this. Like, it's like, they could have done nothing. It would have had the same effect on much of this audience because people don't pay attention about that. They're so used to going into these worlds so often yep. that if it's not up to that standard, it's just crap. Right. And it's like, and I'm watching, and I'm like, and people complaining about the Robin Hood in the story, like, oh, it's not the same as this. It's like, well, since when did like twisting a story and like getting some, when was that a bad thing? And it's like, it's like everything about that movie, I feel like it did, you know, we didn't need another Robin Hood story. No, we didn't. We really didn't. But you don't need any of these movies, really. I like um, how but, this went from you answering a question to a rant on Robin Hood. <laughs> and <laughs> just like you're plan. so getting mad that this film didn't get its due. But, oh no, you're good. And it's funny, I didn't even like love it that much, but I just felt like um I don't know, I felt like it, it deserved and then another time this would come out in nineteen ninety three. I felt like this this would have been the biggest movie of the summer. Right. And like now it's just like I don't I don't know. It was done well. Like why doesn't it get you know points for that? And see to the A team, like the A team could have been Ghostbusters big if it had come out in the eighties. Yeah. But since it came out this summer and people are kind of just I don't know they they don't they're indifferent to Plus a lot of this stuff. Similar, it was just another movie. You had a similar movie to the A Team earlier in the year, and that was the Losers. Yeah, which I, which, also I mean, liked. the Losers, the Losers didn't do that great as well. But like people already kind of saw that type of movie, and then a couple months later, you have you know a very similar type of movie. You know, two different casts, maybe two different you know interactions in the cast, but it's it's the same thing. And I think that hurt it as well. And I mean, the Losers. I mean, it wasn't included in the summer season, but that's a reason I think that came out that as like early as it did. End of April. Yeah, but I mean that's the reason it got pushed up was because of the A team and you kind of had conflict there. No, no, no. And- that's when it was supposed to come out, and then they were they it was it was testing well, so they were gonna move it to the summer mm-hmm. and put it uh-huh. up against A team, going back to Sean's plan of what studio shouldn't do. But as they saw the summer, like what what was they were like, eh, let's just leave it there, which was probably a good idea because it would have got slaughtered even more. Oh, oh yeah. that. there no, you no, go. No, you no, took no. away my whole point. But then I'll just make <laughs> the point of that. Um, going back to Joey's Robin Hood rant, I think The Losers was another really good movie from this year that got overlooked. Oh yeah, and 
it's very sad as well because that was actually was I think great... Sean like what you were mentioning about the summer I think could ex- extend to this entire year yeah. that's kind of what I yeah. felt about like yeah, there's I mean, it, it it's been like off. five movies I've really liked and but it, I... it kicked off in January and I know you hate this movie I kind of dig it Daybreakers <laughs> I mean that was kind of a poor start I guess you know for the whole year uh, but I mean you you had like you had Book of Eli and Youth and Revolt which are pretty good I liked that but like yeah there hasn't really been Edge much of darkness else. was uh Thank God that didn't come out now. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, Edge of Darkness would have been in some trouble. They, they would, well, maybe it would have so. sold better. Because yeah, it would have done either so one of two ways. And then like, people would have been like, oh, I can go watch this movie and see what really happened because he's so angry in this movie. <laughs> that's really what that, uh, that's probably what like, this oh, His daughter got killed. Well, I wonder why he's so upset. <laughs> no see? wonder he's pissed. And, and then, at, then at the end of the movie, they cut to like a live mixtape of like him doing that phone call. Oh, dude, that would have been awful. But that probably would that, that, that probably would have sold some tickets. But um, no. yeah, they could have like on the trailers like also here are the full unedited phone calls. <laughs> all of Mel. People would have flocked to the theaters for that man. That probably would have been smart. Oh yeah, they, they, and after, and after the show, they would have handed out like CD like mixtapes, and it'd have been like a it'd been like a mix like hosted by like a Funkmaster Flex, and then you would have had the whole Mel Gibson call on it with, with some like with some like hip hop tracks on it. Yeah, folks would have ate that shit up. I'm not right in the head. I know this already. So. I would have saw it. <laughs> but Sean, I was curious. Why did you include Cyrus in that lineup? Because Cyrus, that Cyrus wasn't a full release though. Um, well, it was like an art house. Kind I, of I know it was, but see, I don't know. It was, but see, it still falls under Fox and the fact that they dropped it in the summer, even though it's under Fox Searchlight. You know, and it was limited release, but still, it's still that extra competition. Even though it might only be like a couple hundred to a thousand theaters, you're still fighting against yourself. I got gotcha, you. Gotcha. So that, that's why that's why I, I wanted added that to see in. that because I was I was looking I'm like that opened big I never saw that anywhere out here. Um, so well, Cyrus cost about seven million to make, and I think in the United States it grossed about probably like around four million. So and think about it, four mil- making four million dollars on a film that probably never even got into a thousand theaters within a short period of time is actually pretty impressive. And they did that probably about four or five weeks. So that's the only thing that's kind of having me scratching my head about a lot of movies that are getting like very limited releases and they're critically acclaimed and, and they have big stars in them and they don't put them out. Like those don't come out. So a lot of these movies, like a lot of the movies I wanted to see this year, I probably won't see until, you know, the year is over because they that's when they'll come out on Netflix. Like, you know, I was always yeah. surprised that so many, I don't know, I guess cause the market's so saturated by all the big blockbuster stuff that they can't kind of, you know, I guess that goes more to your point. Like, in, you know, in the nineties or the eighties, there was more room to put a film like that out here and there. And, you know, and even those films, like, like Cyrus, is not. You know, it's like calling that an art house film. It's like kind of ridiculous. Well, like, too, like it's, it's kind of surprising. It's kind of surprising you wouldn't give that movie a chance because you had Jonah Hill and and uh, John C. Riley in it, who like have a pretty good following. Like they're pretty well known, and people see movies just and because Marissa of them. And Marissa just came off an Oscar uh, win. Yeah, and people will see movies just because of them because they like to laugh. And Cyrus looked like it could have been kind of funny, like a little bit of a darker comedy. I'm surprised that one didn't get a wider release. Like I think you could have made way more than four million with that just because of those well, it was, actors. Cyrus was one of like the three or four movies that are kind of. Like, because every summer, this is one thing we've missed this summer it hasn't really been a movie like this. Every summer, if you know, it's like the last couple of years, there's been like one or two kind of indie flicks that come out, and they're just nobody can stop talking about them. Not if they come out during the summer, but even during the fall, like, um, you know, five hundred days of summer. Was yeah, five hundred days of summer was you know last year. Yeah. Um, I try to think of what would be the year before. I know Juno, even though it came Juno. out in like the fall, was a big like you know big hit for that. And um, this summer, I, I, the kids are all right. I guess is the closest yeah. to one, but even that's not. It just finally now opened up in 
wider release and it's you know it's not hitting up with audiences very much so i don't know there was nothing like that this time. there was no kind of indie gem that really well i think it's i think a lot of it is like <laughs> we're gonna take it back to comic books but it seems like you know i think i think studios kind of realized a lot of that success of comic book movies and geek centric movies and and after kind of a few years of getting everything in the production we're kind of seeing the result of that like studios trying to jump on that whole bandwagon of geek powered films yeah but they don't pace just, themselves and that's that's a problem yeah but that's that's where that's where it screwed them up because they're kind of coming they just jammed them all out at one time and i think people got overwhelmed with the stuff and uh, because no, like go ahead. go ahead no no go ahead go ahead Blair. go ahead i was just gonna say is like i mean a couple years back like you might have one comic book movie like every year or you know every other year or something and it just like i from what i've kind of paid attention to it like it just seemed like over the past like two two years like you're seeing everything get optioned every sort of geek centric 80 cartoon 80s cartoon is getting optioned every comic book is getting optioned and it's just like coming it, it's just all coming out at once and i think just general audiences like you know we as geeks we love that stuff an 18 movie sounds cool the loser sounds cool but i think general audiences are just kind of like you know yeah if spider-man comes out one year i'll go see it but you know there's plenty of other stuff in the theater but spider-man's kind of something special but then when you have all of these other kind of geek centric movies come out at once i think people just kind of get overwhelmed and it's just like i don't really want to see like i don't want all my movies that i watch to well, kind of be know. like after this, this summer i think we're we'll see what happens with that because well i think inception is gonna a lot uh, on that there was a lot of comic movies that came out this year that, that didn't yeah ever, I think it's. Gonna, I think it is going to kind of turn Everyone down. Everyone's like, and okay, then I, it's going to be the hugest movie of the year." And, and it wasn't. Like, I don't think it even made its budget back when it was in theaters. Um, no, it, didn't. It, it made. Hold on one second. I, I can actually. I can verify that for you right now. Hold on one <laughs> second. Right, well, there you go. That's <laughs> with a, a thirty million dollar production budget. It made, including foreign, it made ninety six million dollars worldwide. So they get uh, studio gets fifty five percent of that. They so. had a huge advertising budget for that. Like, right. So. Lionsgate really wanted like they spent a lot of money flying critics out flying movie owners out to see special screen and they gave a lot of screenings away as well like the free screenings to people right. that's what i'm really worried about with scott pilgrim because it seems like everybody that wants to see it saw it already in well, one of the free yeah. screenings. That's, that's yeah. the same the same thing happened to serenity i mean yeah. in, 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 Cal- in california they had free screenings for serenity for for god knows how long and i'm like you just you just ate ha- half your freaking audience that would have paid for it so why even do that i understand a couple of screenings i understand but when you go overboard to try to prove to people that this movie's going to be good you're hurting yourself but um but like I, with with kick-ass for example though like lionsgate thought like it did all right it did well i guess it could be considered a hit but it didn't they thought it was going to be like matrix big or something yeah. like it was going to be this like you could tell and and it's another thing when you gauge the internet audience and they're all like yes it will be it's the greatest movie ever made and then it kind of came out and it just kind of like eh, nobody really gave a shit it's a lot of that stuff like i remember with like snakes on a plane that was another movie like the the internet couldn't shut up about oh it's going to be the greatest movie yeah, ever yeah but the thing you got to then it came out it. nobody went to see it like i kind of lost interest by the time it actually and that's kind of when you learn like the internet really is kind of a small percentage of what like majority opinion really is like that's something else i've really realized even there like the losers also came which i thought was good as well and that didn't do well jonah hex less said about that the better (laughs) (laughs) the score was good yeah the score was good the score was good (laughs) but um my whole thing is and and i've been looking i've been looking at this especially with the whole movie stacking thing there's two things actually there's two things i want to get to one i'm gonna talk about this movie stacking thing real quick I think the main reason why we have so many movies stacked in these in these cinemas, there's two reasons for that. One, and we've talked about this before, theaters dictating to studios what they need and for how long and vice versa. 
So it's a give and take. So they got what they want because they want to fill seats. And two, let's be real. DVD sales are nowhere near what they used to be. There's been a drop off. So studios are freaking out. So they're like, okay, that means we just need to put more movies in, this, in, in the theaters so we can, you know, make more money that way. And hopefully we'll recoup on, you know, and hopefully we can get the DVD sales back to a point of, you know, excellence later. So let's just put more movies in the movie theater. And I'm like, you're hurting yourself. Um, I mean, that's just it's personal opinion. And I may be wrong on that, but that's just something I, that I see. Another problem is is that if you look at, at some of these films, movies nowadays aren't just built for, for American audiences, and that's fine. But if you notice, a lot of these films, because when I saw the trailer for, for Robin Hood, the first thing that came out of my head, I'm like, oh, this film is built for the, for the foreign market. And, and instead of saying, you know what, I want to go see that, the first thing that came out of my head was, this film is built for the foreign market. Robin Hood made over $100 million in the United States, about $105 million. Overseas, it made double that. It made like well, it made two hundred and five million overseas, so three hundred and ten million worldwide. Hopefully, they'll make their money back after DVD sales. You know, because they came close to recouping that production budget. That's crazy that that costs that much money. Like, yeah, yeah. make. <laughs> hey, man, they got to pay all those people walking around in those valleys. I, 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 another I mentioned earlier. So another perfect example: Prince of Persia, two hundred million dollars to make. Only made ninety in the states. Made two hundred thirty-eight million overseas. 328 million worldwide. So they'll be lucky if they make their money back after DVD sales because they almost recoup that production budget. But that's my whole point. You know, that's my whole thing. They're really doing their best to try to get as much uh, money from the foreign market as possible now because I don't you know, maybe because of you know, mistakes that these studios have made in the past and, and, with, and with all the things that we've talked about before um, I mean, on this episode. So I, there, those are the issues with me right now with all this. It's just too much. They really mm-hmm. got to ease up. I think, like, to go on your point of, like, again, like, them cramming films in the theaters, you kind of look at, like, Inception, you know, the big, the big movie for this summer, and, like, how much money that's made. And it, it's still in theaters, and people are still seeing it just because of word of mouth. Mm-hmm. I think theaters, I, I think studios would be better off if they just concentrated their efforts to make maybe, f- like, a couple really, really good movies and then just release those for the year. And leave those really, really good movies out there for the people. Leave them in theaters. And as being really good movies, really good films, you would probably draw a much bigger audience to go see them. Because one, they have more time. They don't have to worry about, oh, I have to get there in that one weekend before they you know, shop that movie out for something else. And two, again, going back, they're really, really good films. They're going to draw a lot of word of mouth the longer they're out there. And, and then two, like, if you're only developing you know, a limited amount of movies, and you don't have to worry about distribution costs and advertising for so many different films and being on production for so many different films. You're going to save a lot of money that way too. I think I, I just I think studios would be better off if they kind of took that approach. That's kind of like a pixie dream approach. <laughs> I don't know how, how films well, yeah. are made, well, look, I, I'm an 18 year old kid. I'm not a businessman. No, I'm like I, I get your point. I agree with you. I'm just saying yeah. it's like I you look it over though. It's just not really going to happen. It's like. But no. at the same time, I don't know. Maybe you're right because this summer, like, nothing's worked. Inception worked, and like, it's. But Inception's kind of an anomaly. It's like it doesn't. I don't know. There's not a lot of. But again, uh, like, go back to the summer of Dark Knight. The Dark Knight was probably in theaters for like three or four months, and that was another. It was just a really good movie that uh, just, got re-released in theaters too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was just was a out. really good film that they left in theaters and let people see. Right. And like, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just Chris Nolan. Maybe he only has that talent or something. But I think. I think if just studios kind of concentrated their efforts in that way, like I think they'd be better off. Yeah. Well, you know. But again, it's probably not going to happen. They're not going to listen to me. There, there was at least one film this summer that nobody expected to do well 
that actually, you know, took out A Team first week. Karate Kid. No one expected that movie to do well. Only made, you uh-huh. know, only cost forty million to make. They're like, oh, Will Smith's son is in it. There's no way this is going to work, and it ends up making. Let's see here, one hundred seventy-three million dollars in the states. Go back to Matinee Idol's number like episode. ten. I think you were on, and yeah, I like condemned that movie from oh, the yeah. get go. No, no, and, and I wasn't down for it. I want to see it though now. <laughs> yeah, I've heard good things. Although it's two and a half hours long, I think that's insane. Yeah, that is insane. That, that's very. It probably got a killer ending in it though, like the whole tournament and Jaden Jaden Smith or whatever is like just kicking ass and stuff. No, I won't beat the end of Karate Kid too. <laughs> no, no. Come on, they was fighting to the death. Yo, man, the the, 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 the the little the little the little music instrument that went back and forth with a little boop boop boop. I love that thing, man. That thing was. We awesome. know why they made all that money is they got Justin Bieber doing the uh, doing the credit track. Uh, that's, that's, that's that's it. There you go. That that's the mystery. We got to start getting. That's why all those all those scenes <laughs> went and saw like I gotta hear this Justin Bieber track. You are not allowed to mention his name on this show, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, it's all right. No, it's all right, hey, man. It, it it's a fa- every every generation's had a Bieber. So uh, it doesn't it doesn't you know to me it's all the well, let's same. let's set this straight. It's not like I hold Justin Bieber in some high regard in my heart or something. I want to make that clear <laughs> to the listeners. You know, like you'll start emailing in. Or email my paper, show though. and be like, he is making paper. paper. Yep, yeah. boy, uh, yeah, and Usher's making paper off of him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, and he'll, and he'll have a 3D biopic next year. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> See, they're not learning anything, Alec. Don't you say? Oh no, yeah, dude, Yogi Bear. Then what was the big thing with the Yogi Bear trailer? 3D. I'm like, y'all don't get it. First off, no, I'm just gonna go on a minor rant for a second before we get back on with the show. I saw the trailer for Yogi Bear. Okay, here's my problem. People, I need y'all to realize something. When you mix CGI with real-life human people, it only works one out of 15 times, okay? That's it. Didn't you see Marmaduke? Guess what? Nobody saw Marmaduke. You want to know why? Because nobody wanted to deal with talking fucking animals because they got to fill with the chipmunks, okay? That's kids and adults. Marmaduke is a direct-to-video film. You looked at it, like, there you go. So what do you do with Yogi Bear? Easiest thing you could do, make it all, all CGI. Give me a CGI Ranger Smith, CGI Yogi, CGI Boo Boo, CGI Picnic Baskets, the end. Boo-boo. That's all you had to do. That's all you had to do. But no, what do you do? You go get Ed from that canceled NBC show to play Ranger Smith, and you make it live action. <laughs> it looks awful. If I was a child, I'm, I'm feeling like my inner child looked at that and said, what the fuck? Tell him, Steve, Dave. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, no, it's just I don't, I don't understand it. I'm like, why? why? Was there I, any reaction to that when you saw? Did you watch the trailer in a theater, or you watched it like on the computer? I watched it on the computer, and I just because okay, I was like, I want, I was curious to hear what like the audience reaction would be. Oh, like, a dude, now I'm, I'm sure you know, I'm sure there are kids that are probably like, he 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 he, or no, they're probably kids like, who the fuck is Yogi Bear? <laughs> We need that Justin Bieber movie right now. Yeah, we like, need that movie. You know, and see, and that's but that's that's my problem. Like I said, I don't mind if they bring this stuff to current times. I don't. I mean, as far as like you know, trying to bring out a Yogi Bear movie, but let's be realistic. This looks bad. You know, I'm like, didn't y'all see Country Bears? Didn't we learn from Country Bears like a, you know a decade ago? No. <laughs> and Christopher Walken's in fucking Country Bears. And I love Christopher Walken. I still wouldn't see that shit. So. There's a problem. There, there, there's a problem, okay? I'm like, look, chipmunks made money. Just because they made that Skrilla don't mean that you're going to make that Skrilla. But, I, but see, knowing me and, and my luck, Yogi Bear make $200 million. Well, is that, that's, 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 that's next up. year's slate that you guys are talking about? All this, this is next year's slate. Um, I think Yogi Bear is Christmas, I think. 
Yeah. Well, again, like it, I think it's gonna take. I think it's gonna take a while. Like if if Hollywood and the studios pay attention to anything, like from this year and this summer, and kind of the downturn in a lot of these movies, I think it's gonna take a couple years before we really even see some results from it, and some results from Inception and things like that, and maybe some originality, like. If that's next year's slate, like I can understand why they probably had that in production like two years ago yeah. or last year, you know. So it's probably if they, like I said, if they learn anything, it's gonna probably take a few years until we kind of see the results. But you're asking a lot for a studio to learn something, man. You're really asking. I gotta say, like even like you're mentioning like, the thing with the Yogi Bear, like this looks terrible. And you think I think the same with Marmaduke or any of these movies, or Alvin and the Chipmunks. But then I seem like my little cousins and stuff, and they're watching the Alvin Chipmunk thing and they love it. They watched a CGI Garfield TV show and they love it. And it's like, I can't, I don't know, are they doing anything wrong, really? It's like, because it's like, people seem to like it. It's a 50 50. I'm like, my family's a little different. Like, because I got, you know, like little cousins and stuff like that. And they're cool with Alvin and the Chipmunks. But when they looked at Marmaduke on TV, they was like, I won't see that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, like, in the Garfield CGI. Oh, Wilson ain't Marmaduke. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> With Alvin and the Chipmunks, I think it's like when when they did that, nobody had seen or heard of Alvin and Chipmunks for like decades. Universal ran that franchise into the ground. Something that was once worth like two hundred million was like le- worth worth less than ten. Twentieth Century Fox got the rights to it, blew it back up again, and you know so they did it and they were able to make it successful. So then you know you see the trends of everybody else trying to do it. I mean, hell, I think that was one of the reasons why you got Cats versus Dogs two in three D. But you got to balance it out. And that's the that's that's the thing. Like I stress with like any type of medium, whether it be movies, comics, music, you gotta balance it out a bit. And because if not, you're just gonna get this influx of bullshit, and things are gonna fall apart. I I know there are kids from this generation that are probably digging and loving, and you know, and and all the best. But I just know I come from a time where when we had kids' films, yes, we had some silly, sappy stuff, but we had a lot of kids' films that like adults and kids could sit in and watch. A lot of these kids' films that come out now, like the Yogi Bears, like the Alvin and the Chipmunks movies, kids are cool with it, but a parent is like, do I really got to sit through this bullshit? Yeah, but I, I think one. I think you know, kids are smart. I think people need to give kids more credit oh, in their intelligence. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you don't, because I, I'm pretty sure you do. Like I know you do. You're cool. But like, I, I just think like when, when these kids like watching Yogi Bear and Marmaduke grow up, and they look back at these movies, and maybe they saw like Toy Story and, and Wall-E and, and you know, Up and, and a lot of Pixar things, they're gonna be able to pick out like which ones are the good films from that when they grow up. And if they get into some some like sort of creative aspects, some creative medium, they're gonna they're gonna know what to draw from. You know what I mean? So I'm not really worried about some like bad influence. A lot of like what Marmaduke's gonna do to also, our. Also, it's just it's kids but, don't get to go to the movies that you know like when they see something, they're just happy to be there. You know? Right. Yeah. It's like so they're yeah. they're more willing to think. You know, I don't know. Even if they don't they don't think they're terrible. You know, they're just like I remember when I was a kid. There's movies I look at now. I'm like, why the hell did I like this? Because I was just happy to go. I I know I mean that's like every ninety-eight. Well, I knew that was shit when I went to see it. I watched it recently, and I'm like, God, why was I obsessed with this? And I'm like, well, I was five. But yeah. I kid you not, we had an argument like two months ago where you were trying to say like, no, it's really actually pretty good. And I'm like, because I was drawn from memory. I'm like, Matthew Broderick, great performance <laughs> in that movie. Come on. 
Come on, I do agree with you. Know, the come with me video uh, is amazing, though. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, that's, you know, that's the best <laughs> thing. If, if anything from that Godzilla movie, we got we got Puff Daddy doing a. John, do you up. think that that was the implosion of, of Diddy's career right there, kind of as a legitimate rapper? Was that video? Well, no, man, dude. Diddy will never go away. You must. You no, must, I, uh, I love Diddy. I love uh, Diddy. I just say that that video. I remember like when that came out, like thinking like this might be going too far. I'm like, I'm like, first off, I'm like, when he sampled, when he sampled Cashmere, I'm like, that's a bold ass move. Move. I'm like, I thought it was cool. Don't get me wrong. He sampled Cashmere. I was like, oh, that's kind of, that's kind of hot. Okay, I'm cool with that. But I'm like, boy, you gonna make some folks mad. You sample Cashmere. These diehard rock fans are gonna be pissed the fuck off. <laughs> I'm like, I understand what you're trying to do, and constantly, you know, you're trying to make it like an alternate, like alternative rap type deal. And I'm just like. Nah, I'm not feeling. So I'm like, the beat is hot. I'm like, I don't need the lyrics. Just give me the beat and give me that. And just, just give me them fat drums in the back. And I'm like, I'm good. But lyrically, that was kind of, uh. And like, you know. Yeah, but without the lyrics, we wouldn't have got the line, I'll fucking bite you. See, I wasn't going to bring that up. I wasn't going to bring that up. You can't run. You can't hide. No surprise. Come with Close me. Close your eyes. Come Close with your me. eyes. Come with me. There you go. But no, man. Yeah, he had to go away for a while. The Benjamin's Rock remix is great, though. Oh, yeah. I can. That, I did, that's man. a good one. You can't, you can't, you can't knock that that track. That's good. But no, the cool. <laughs> All right, what were we talking about? Oh, again? <laughs> hold on, before, before before we go back to show, the one cool thing about that video was at the end when Puff, like at the end of the video, Puff says, "Come with me," and Godzilla's behind him. He does that scream, and like Puff was looking hard. I was like, "Okay, that's cool." The rest of this is bullshit, but that was cool. I like him conducting the symphony and doing the three sixty spins in the white suit. <laughs> that just makes me smile. Like I'm just like that's so awesome. But, oh yeah. yeah, let's let's get I, yeah, back. To I remember like thinking like, what did he die in that video? Because he turns into a bunch of doves at one point. <laughs> he explodes out of an elevator. Yeah, he explodes out of an elevator, and then the turns doves. Stones, and then he reforms conducting. But he falls system. back down to earth, so he's supposed to be like yeah. God. Yo, man, don't try to translate a puff video. He's gonna, <laughs> gonna hurt your head, man. Don't try. <laughs> oh, oh boy, this is a great episode. <laughs> let's take it back to film. When it comes to movies, especially on the summer tip, or just movies in general, is how we consume media nowadays. There are so many ways for us to watch movies, whether it be, I mean, you, do, you, have, you have cell phone companies saying, now you have crystal clear pictures on your cell phone. This three-inch screen will show you your movies on widescreen. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and you know, so you've got like you know, cell phone, handheld devices, you know, the movie theater. Like some studios are quietly working with certain cable companies to have movies when they come out in the movie theater. They come out same day. You pay more for it, but you can watch it from home. There are a lot of different ways to consume media. So with that, this goes back to the movie theater. It used to be if I went to a movie theater. And I went to a movie theater the week it came out. You know, the week a certain movie came out. That premiere week, the way like a multiplex was for like the longest time before you had the multiplex boom was, you had like six or seven screens. Three, two screens were big. Four screens were kind of small. And one was fucking ginormous. And the one that was ginormous had the newest movie. So it was eventful. I mean, because it was huge. It took, a, you know, it took over all your senses and you watched it, whether it be good or bad. It took over all your senses. It's not like that nowadays with a lot of theaters. It's pretty much every theater is the same size and then you got two little rinky-dink screens. And then you, but then you have all the other theaters that have the same size screen. I, to me, it's, 
there, I, mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what I'm trying to get at, but it's just like that feeling of going to see a film and like being taken, you know, taken, uh, taken back by it. It's, it's gone to me. And I'm not just saying it because of the quality of the films, because there's still good stuff out there. But being able to really absorb it all massively, that's gone. And, you know, people don't mind now watching stuff on a three-inch screen. And I don't, I, I, I kind of don't get that. And maybe it's because, like, you know, I, by the time this episode airs, I'll, no, I'll still be 34. Yes. But, I'm, um, with you. I'm with you, Sean, so don't worry about it. I, I'll get into that. Yeah, okay. I agree with you. I don't, I don't get the small screen thing. But, no, I, I, just, I just wanted to, to mention that. I, and, like I, like I said, it may not have been formulated as correctly as I would have liked it to have been. But, um, I just, you know, I just want your guys' take on it because y'all are, you know, y'all are younger than me. So, like, how you view these movies, does that really matter to you? Um, I don't, I, I couldn't speak for, like, you know, a populist. I, I just from my own perspective and, like, from what I enjoy, I don't want to watch anything on a small screen just because I don't like holding, you know, something clear, like, two inches away from my face and staring at it and squinting at it because it's just going to hurt and it's not comfortable after a while. But, I mean, if I could say anything and see why maybe some people might be into that, um, you know, mostly younger crowd. I mean, you're looking at a generation that's kind of used to staring at a smaller screen, a computer screen, a lot of the time. And I think, you know, when it comes to watching a movie uh, or, or something or just watching something, it, it's probably not a big leap for somebody, you know, of, of that. It's just used to always looking at a computer screen and used to looking at a small monitor to kind of do, and I don't really think they think about it. Plus, too, I think you have to think, like, you know, you or me, or I know Joe, you know, we're all, you're into the visual, you're into the picture quality, you're big on the Blu-ray thing, you know, you're big into that. But I think, I think most people um, really just kind of don't care necessarily, as long as it looks pretty halfway decent, which, which a lot of these small screens can do, you know, you can, you can watch a movie on your iPod via the iTunes music store, just rent it, and it, you know, it looks pretty good. And I think for most people, that's all you need, because as long as you're getting the story, and as long as you're getting to see somebody get shot or something, you know, they're happy. And I think that comes down to a lot of it too. I just don't think a lot of people are kind of obsessed with like, oh, I need, you know, the huge screen. I need the surround sound and all that sort of thing. Uh, for me personally, my preferred way to watch movies is in a theater, in a good theater. Like I tend to go to the, like the, the United Artists, like stadium theater. That's like my preferred theater to see things because they have great sound. They have a projectionist who like knows what he's doing. And, or if I go to see smaller stuff at like, um, it's kind of like a little art house theater around here and, even during the summer, they they'll be, they'll reshow a lot of kind of genre movies and stuff, and like movie festivals during the week, so that's a lot of fun. But you know, for my viewing, um, Blu-ray all the way on on HD TVs, like that. That's my thing, and I'm really I'm a real stickler for the the transfers. Like I I go and I view all the sites and all the ratings to make sure like transfers are good. Like one thing that drove me nuts, I know when Alec was on um, Comic Timing with Ian Levinson recently, and he was talking about like the rocky blu-ray he had purchased and was saying how great it looked and he was saying oh it's great you know they cleaned up all the grain and i was like well, what are you talking about like that's an awful transfer of the movie like because they they cleaned it up with like the dnr so everything looks like really plastic so i'm really like i don't know i'm a real kind of stickler for that so i'm pretty annoying if you want to like, talk you know blu-ray transfers and stuff like that mm -hmm. but uh <laughs> i do have some stuff on my on my ipod touch though that i did i have tried you know just to watch it on there just to see what it's like, and it's not awful, but I don't know. It doesn't, I don't know. I don't get that feeling. I don't feel like I'm entrenched in the film. Like, kind of what you mentioned about going to see things in the theater. Like, I still get that sometimes where, like, you know, it has to be something, like, really good, I guess, to kind of bring me in that world. I don't feel like a little phone kind of screen does that, really. Right. But people like it, they like it, but it drives me nuts sometimes. Like, I don't know. Some people with, uh, like, the can just watch, like, I don't know, 
bootlegs that are shot in a theater and stuff like that. And it's like, they, oh, it's like the same thing. as like, no, it isn't. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. That, that's <laughs> I've had family for decades, certain family members for decades, like live and die off bootlegs. So I'll probably even had a couple world of sell bootlegs. And 10 years ago, my eyes would have been fine with that. But now that I'm so entrenched with DVD and blue, you know, whether it be DVD or Blu-ray, I see that difference now. I can't, you know, I can't go back to that. I still like I have the original version of Star Wars in widescreen, but it's on VHS. So I can watch that. But if I had the special edition on VHS, why would I watch that on VHS when I got it on DVD? I, I'll be able to tell the difference as far as quality goes. You know what I mean? Well, so, if you had the Laserdisc version, I said watch that. Oh, Jesus. Oh, the my audio God. track is better. Let's not audio. go there. Let's not go there. <laughs> no, he's like an old man about his like. That's quality. what I'm saying. I'm kind, of a, I'm kind of an anomaly because I'm in my 20s, but. Unlike everybody else in their 20s younger, they just like want to get rid of everything. Like, oh, I don't want to own anything. I'm the exact opposite. <laughs> I love having huge collections of things. And, like, you know, I, I, it's probably worse. It's probably a bad attitude to have because it seems like it's going well, out like, the it, 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 It's true, though, because, like, every time I'm like, Joe, I'm going to put some stuff on eBay. He's like, no, keep it. <laughs> let it let it sit in your room. You're going you're gonna to want that. It, it's not bad to have stuff. And I'm just like, Joe, I'm not going to need these three copies of Youngblood number one. And he's like, just keep them. Oh jeez! So he does, yeah, it's alright. But I whatever, whatever. We're not here to talk about. I was like, don't sell things you like. Like that's the thing. Like, I don't understand people are like, I love all these films, but I'm gonna get rid of these DVDs because I don't want to have anything. It's like, yeah. why? If you like them, then keep them. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's stuff I don't. I don't know. This younger generation drives me nuts. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, Joe, you're 23. 24. 24. You're a part of it, though. <laughs> you can't put down your own generation. All right, let's keep going. Um, We're getting I, I, I think another issue as far as the movie-going experience goes, and I'm sure we've all been witness to this, is, and this has actually kept me out of the movie theaters at times, the, the, the patrons that attend the theater that think that they're at home. That's a big problem for me, and I'm sure it's a big problem for a lot of people. Now, I think that's also, you can also factor that into ticket sales. Well, that and depending on where you live, Going to a movie is expensive. So I think those two things also play into, you know, whether it be summer box office receipts or whenever. I think that's got a lot to play into it as well. Because mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I do. Perfect example. And this wasn't a summer movie. I, when I went to go see Date Night, um, which I did write a review on on the Matinee Autos website. I do owe them a couple more reviews soon. They also do reviews of <laughs> movies. Uh, check out Jay Stringer's uh, section. He's done uh, what, what they did right, what they did wrong type segments. And uh, no, Mad- bad, Mad- example. <laughs> bad example. Bad example. Thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you. Matineeidols.com. Yeah, that's going to be retooled uh, at some point again. So if people got worried, like, hey, there's no written content, it's, it's coming back again. Just got to okay. wait for it. I yeah. owe these guys about 20 articles right now. So I'm <laughs> when I went to go see Date Night, and this is a perfect example, it was crowded. We got in at a good time, so we got a good seat. Ten minutes into the movie, because like I said, it's pretty crowded. The lady and her two kids come, sit right next to us. And I'm like, you know, Date Night isn't really a movie that I would take, like, you know, a six-year-old and a seven-year-old to see. But you can. But my, here's my problem. The two kids aren't interest, interested in the film at all, so they won't shut the fuck up. Then they finally shut up. But then the mother has her cell phone, okay? It's in her purse, and it goes off. And it goes off again. And it goes off again. To which then that pissed my wife off because I was getting mad because, like, Lee was looking at me. I was just getting upset, but, like, I'm not trying to cause a scene. And then when it happened a third time, like my wife went off and then she finally went to her purse and turned and turned it off. That's that bullshit. I can't stand. I, I, I can't deal with it. I'm like, yo, why? Why are you more important than anybody, anybody else in this theater? We all pay the same amount of money to watch this film. We just want to enjoy it. We're not at home. 
Quit acting like you're at home. Please. I may sound like a curmudgeon when I say that, but I'm sick of that shit. And I think that's one of the main reasons why there's a couple films I did not go see in the movie theater. And I find it amazing that I can go to our, we got like a $1.50 theater. I can go to a $1.50 theater and have more courteous people that you know, I actually sit with at a dollar fifty theater than I do when I go pay full price. I, I mean, it's annoying at the moment, and I've I've had some of those experiences as well. But like when you look back at it, and like kind of that's one of the things I really like about going to the theater is like is is the people is the other people in the audience, and like something that is annoying that it might be bad in the moment. When I if I kind of look back at those moments, I kind of think it adds to the experience of going to see that movie. It's like, oh, I remember when that woman was going crazy with her cell phone and her kids wouldn't shut the fuck up. Like, I, I don't know. I always kind of remember it fondly and things. I'm like, I don't know. It's just, that's just people. You know, that's what people do. Not necessarily the theater's fault or anything. It's just what people do. No, I know. Yeah, it's the, I, I get where you're coming from. Oh, yeah. I know it's not the theater's fault. It's just that, like, you know, wherever just happened to common fucking courtesy. That, that's, yeah. that's, that's my problem. It's funny, I, I hear a lot of people say this, too, like, recently. Like, oh, they have so many problems. Like, I don't know, I can't really think of any... Like, I don't know, any really, I don't know, maybe I just go to the movies at the right times or whatever, but I don't know, lately I've been going, like, in the afternoon by myself, and there's, like, two people in the theater, so maybe that's why I'm not noticing that, but <laughs> I've gone to a bunch of movies, like, on opening, I, I like going on the Friday night, because I like to hear what the audience, I want to hear the reaction to things, I kind of yeah. like that, as long as they're not, like, I understand, if people started freaking talking over the movie, yeah, I, that annoys crap out of me, but... Like, I kind of do like hearing, like, the oohs and ahs, you know, of what's going on and stuff like that. Just to, to grasp, to hear it, see it with a couple of different audiences and just to hear, like, what they respond to. But mm-hmm. the only time I can think of, the, I, I did see The Middlemen recently, like a, like a matinee show, like on a Friday afternoon or something. And uh, I was one of, like, five people in the theater that was, like, a, it was, like, me that was an old couple. <laughs> I was sitting, like, one seat away from me, which I found really odd. <laughs> and there was, like, a fat guy with a big of popcorn, like, up in the front. And, uh, like, if you know what the middlemen about, you can see how that's kind of an awkward uh, situation. But I just remember there was a guy, like, the guy with the popcorn, like, he would laugh at something, but then go, like, on after that. And that was kind of annoying me. Yeah. It was funny at first. Like, ah, ha, 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 I see what he did there. I kind of, I get that. Oh, the left. Like, that kind of annoys me a bit. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, I know there's only five people in the theater, but, you know, you don't need to explain. Then you get, those, but then you get those awesome dudes who react to the Expendables trailer. Yes. And, like, that, that's, that, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's where I get my reactions during trailer time, I mostly. We're <laughs> 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 going to see 8 Mile uh, <laughs> a long time ago when they're oh, during man. the sex scene in the movie. And uh, whatever, and, dude. Some of the reactions, uh, he ain't even doing nothing. I remember that was one. Uh, one was when he finished. That's why they call him B Rabbit. I remember that. I remember, that's one of the only times I can remember explicitly, like someone yelling shit out, like during the movie. I don't know. You, if it's, I'm always. This is what I was kind of like. If it's funny, I'm cool with it. Yeah. If it's like annoying, then I'm not. Because I've gone to a lot of like midnight screenings of like classic films and stuff like that. And Terminator most recently is the one I remember. And where people got too much and they weren't, it wasn't funny anymore. They were just making noise. And I kind of just wanted, even though I've seen the movie a million times, I wanted to kind of just see it. And and someone actually like got up and like, you know, kind of cursed them out and they kind of shut up the rest of the time. But again, like all these people just driving you crazy. Like now you have stories because of that. Yeah, that's I know. That, I, that's I, I kind of see in Kevin Smith's approach to that. It's like bad things happen. And you have to deal with yeah. all people. You can always turn it into a good story later on. So I guess maybe that's, that's part of it.
let's um, hop on to another subject. This one is comic-oriented, and I know because you gentlemen read comics, too, uh, I figured you would want to talk about this um, with the movie industry. Actors and actresses being able to create comics with uh, publishers. Now, perfect. Uh, here's an example. From June 30th, Radical Publishing, when this is an article from, a CB, from CBR, Comic Book Research, Resources, on uh, June 30th, it says, since its, since its inception, Radical Publishing has made no secret of its designs on placing its comic book series as Hollywood movies, although to this point, the publisher of such titles as Hercules, The Knives of Cush, hasn't gone the route with teaming with outside production companies or very often teaming with Hollywood stars. That changed as of June 30th. As the Hollywood Reporter has the news that Radical and Avatar actor Sam Worthington's own full clip productions have entered into a pact to create a comics imprint. The projects produced by the partnership will involve Worthington and his partners Michael and John Schwartz with an eye on launching movie roles for Worthington and John, an Australian television actor who's appeared in episodes of Farscape, among other shows. The first, project, the first project under the deal will be Damaged, a crime story of two brothers, which will be scripted by Stray Bullets creator David Lapham. One of my favorite creators. And then it says Radical has recently teamed with other Hollywood talents, including Wesley Snipes and Antoine Fuqua, whose After Dark comic hit shops on June 30th with a $1 introductory zero issue. Well, not only that, but you have Oni Press, um, who did uh, Frenemy of the State, um, which has, uh, which was written by, oh, what's her name? Rashida Jones. Thank you. Thank you. I can never remember her name. I love Rashida Jones. Actors and actresses come out with stuff through, uh, well, one time DDP. Was that uh, Milo? Um, I can never, thank you. See, this is why, this is another reason why I have you on, on the show, so you can pronounce those last names I can't pronounce. So, <laughs> so thank you. You know, we've had a lot of that, and... And I'm was that Hugh Jack? Oh, Virgin Comics as yeah, well. Uh, yeah, Virgin. That's what that whole thing was about. They had Jenna Jameson, didn't they? Yeah, they had everything. I would Nick buy a Nick Cage comic. I would buy. There is a Nick Cage comic that exists. Oh, I want it. But, um, <laughs> and Hugh know, Jackman had one, I think. We've even had situations where cats like Bill Hader have been able to come in and, like, you know, do a Spider-Man comic. This is something I'm fifty-fifty on because, to me. And like Tony Isabella said it best when it came to comic books, the way these studios would like take comic books and essentially just use it as cheap research and development. From another standpoint, as somebody like myself who you know publishes comics and is also trying to deal with other studios, trying to you know as a writer, as an independent, as an independent comic book publisher, it's really difficult to like really get that foot in with you know with publishers because you're independent because you haven't worked with anybody yet. But if I'm an actor, I can just step in and say, hey. You've seen me. I made these movies. They made a bunch of money. I, you know, I want to do some books. I'm not saying it's that easy, but it comes off that way. And and that I, and like you know, that's where my issue lies. It's easier for an actor to like get a comic book up and running than it is, you know, some like a new like a person that's been writing, profession, you know, writing professionally for much longer. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. the th- and the thing is, is that you know, it, you know, with with Sam Worthington and his crew. He did it. I mean, the one thing he did do is say, well, look, we ain't writing this shit. We're going to get somebody that can write comics to do it. (laughs) So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd I'd love to see what Mr. Personality there would have written, though. Oh. (laughs) 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 But, but, I mean, that's that's, that's the issue. And, like, that kind of goes into the, the way how fractured and convoluted the comic book industry is. It's easy for some people to get in, and it's harder for everybody else to even. Well, I mean, it's. It's kind of just simple. Like Sam Worthington has a name, you know. These guys carry Nick Cage carries a name, and I still say I'd buy a Nick Cage comic book though. But I mean, like you know, these companies. I mean, we're living in that age now where comics are so very t- uh, closely tied 
to movie and movies and television. And the main reason is is that there's a lot of money there, and a lot of money is being pumped into the comic book industry. And I, I think it's a nice reason why, and I, it's kind of sad, but I think it's a nice reason why the comics industry is kind of doing as well as it may, you know, it, it is right now. There's just, there's a lot of money coming from that stuff. And, you know, the simple answer is that, you know, Sam Worthington uh, heading up a line of comic books, you know, is going to sell to somebody. It, it's probably going to sell because this guy has a name. He's famous, you know, and that's that's why Radical takes it on. But, like, to me, I mean... I, I see your point, and you know, like you know, younger guys and actual people that love comics trying to get in and break in, it's got to be struggling to see you know some dude who walks off the set of Avatar and is just like, oh, let's make some comics, but I'm not even going to do anything creatively with it. It's just going to have my name on it. It's going to be my brand. You know, I could see that being frustrating, but like to me, as a comic book, like as somebody that just reads comics and I do reviews and stuff, it doesn't really bug me because it's like I don't have to buy it. You know, it, it exists. Yeah, it's there, whatever. But it's just like. I can still go buy, you know, proof every month whenever it comes out. I can still go buy the unwritten. I don't have to buy Sam Worthington's comic book, which I'm sure is awesome, you know. But I understand where you're coming from, but like just as a reader, I don't know, it doesn't really bug me. I understand why it's there and it's gonna exist because it, it's a way to make money, but it's just like I don't I don't have to buy it, I don't have to support it. I'll say it it I'm kinda of with Alec, like I doesn't I don't I don't sit here like sleepless nights, like oh my god, I hate it. <laughs> but it's like it does bug me a lot that comics kind of can't stand on their own foot. It seems well, yeah, like, it's like, it's like and like it seems like the people who could kind of do that are just very happy to yeah do the Hollywood thing, and like kind of that kind of bugs me. But it's a reality. I'm just kind of gonna accept it. But I think anytime a medium has to rely on another medium to keep it alive, I think the medium is on its way out then. But, you know, and I'm saying, like, about, I, I think there's so many great things in comics, though, that it's it kind of balances everything out. Like, there's, there's still plenty of comics out there that just want to be comics, and yeah. that's what's important. I can't begrudge anybody for taking that money, because, you know, right now, I could use that fucking money to buy one of my <laughs> fucking ideas. Alright, fine, give me the money, but I, 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 don't, I don't like it when you see certain creators just go totally you know they don't they stop paying attention to comics like that's i know one thing i know i know um alec at least i know you agree with me on like i'm so happy to see frank miller is doing comics again i am too but everybody else cries about it funny when when he started doing the hollywood oh fuck him you know he's gone now he's coming back and and writing and drawing which he hadn't done in a long time he's doing like two books next year he's doing two frank miller is putting out two comic books within the next year like that's awesome the dude that did dark knight Three. He's doing three comics within the next year. That's so cool. Drawing. And I'm like, isn't yeah. that incredible? Like, it's yeah. incredible to me. Um, but, oh, fuck him. He did the whatever. It's like, I don't know. I don't get that. that that's the attitude I don't get. Like, you know, <laughs> like, uh, but that's a whole other different story I'm not going to get into. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know. But at the same time, like I said, if, if they're going to come out and they're good, like, like, all right, that Sam Worthington comic you mentioned, I had no interest in it, but they mentioned David Lapham is, is writing it at least. I love David Lapham's work. So maybe I'll check it out. Right. Maybe it's good. If it's good, it's good. Then it's a good comic. But yeah. doesn't mean I have to go see the shitty movie that's probably going to come out that's going to be attached to it, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sam Worthington stars. Uh, same thing with uh, 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 that whole radical company, though. Like, I find, like, I don't know, hard to read their stuff because it's so obviously just geared toward, towards an adaptation. And, but then they put uh, out Last Days of American Crime. <laughs> which has a movie coming out starring Sam Worthington. Oh Jesus Christ! Seriously, but the comic was good yep. though. Yep. The comic's cool. I have the comic here. I'm gonna re- I'm gonna check tr- check that out, and I might check out that Time Bomb book too at some point because I've heard good things about it. Oh, but well, Palmiotti's involved in Time Bomb, so normally if it's if Palmiotti's involved in the book, 
normally it's solid. That's a dude I'm, I'm cool with. Because like when I heard he's he not went, a bullshitter though. Like he'll no. be honest when something is just for you know for Hollywood reasons or for like he said yeah maybe it's tied up maybe there'll be an adaptation that happened quicker because it's that company but he just wanted to do that book and if that's who can pay get get the money to do the book that's where he's gonna do it. So. And plus it has I Paul Gla- plus plus it has Paul Galassi on it too. And it's not every day you see Paul Galassi anymore. And I don't like it's not like I have I, like I have beef with these folks. I don't. It's not that I have a problem with it sometimes. But when you look at some of these books, don't here's the problem. When you look at some of these books, they just straight up look like you know they just look like essentially storyboards. I don't want that. If I'm if I'm reading a comic, I want to read a comic, not a storyboard. And that's mm-hmm. and that's a big problem that I have. Mm-hmm. So on, on the flip side of that, though, like you had mentioned, certain writers from other mediums coming over to comics and. And doing stuff like again, I have to kind of say I don't mind as long as it's good. Mm-hmm. I love Josh yeah. Whedon. That's one of my favorite writers. He's going to write X Men. Awesome. If it's good, it's awesome. It good. You know, and it was. It was awesome. So I'm happy he did it. I don't feel like oh they shouldn't let him do that. No, they did. It was good. What's the big deal? Right. Uh, it's when writers come over and they treat comics like shit just because they can. That that's happens. yeah. That's the thing that annoys me is when you kind of just come over to the medium and you don't respect it. That's like that's I can see where that gets really annoying and it bugs me as well. And I will go back to the point that Joey made earlier and agree with it. Like it is it does it does irk me that comics kind of do have to rely on on, on film and television a little bit sometimes. It just that that does get really annoying. Because I mean it's such a great medium and I in my per, in my perspective, in my opinion, it's like it is the best medium for storytelling. And I think it's just it's really just a shame like this medium is just kind of like so it's kind of so hidden and so sort of stereotyped to the to the main public, and it just kind of relies on a lot of other things just to kind of survive and get any attention. I just think it's like it's it's just a damn shame. It's yeah. it's one place you you can tell stories in a way that you can't tell them anywhere else. And yeah, I don't know. People try so hard to one thing they try so hard to make things for uh, like a mass audience, like and kind of changing kind of what comics are to do that. Right. And I think if comics just tried harder to be comics. Yeah. And, and chill here. We're awesome too, you know. Like, come here and read. Like that's why I said. Like I never understood when, like, people get so excited about. Oh, the Watchmen book is selling so well right now. It's like, well, it's only because of that movie. And it's like, why can't we just create a comic that's gonna get that kind of appeal? Like Fun Home. Like why are more people talking about Fun Home? Fun Home crossed so many like boundaries, and it was just a comic. There's no movie coming out of it, but it still was on the freaking New York Times bestseller list, like number one, like the yeah. year. Like why is that not considered more of a success? Or like Dan Clow's books and all this other stuff. Like, but oh, because there's a movie that came out and this kick-ass book sold a lot. That's what we're gonna like base all of our success on. Like, I don't, I don't get that either. Like, and, and now because of that, you're going to get a Nemesis movie. <laughs> Can't wait. Oh, and of course, yeah. I got to put a director on that I actually like, so I'm gonna have to go see it. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In your opinion, what is the film industry doing right and what is it doing wrong? Now, if, and if you don't have a right, that's okay. If you don't have a wrong, that's okay. Your opinion, what do you feel they're doing right or wrong? I think the wrong we've pretty much covered is just kind of stacking all of these just genre and geek-centric movies out there and just these big blockbusters all together. Um, I think, you know, if, if, if in my ideal world... I think you should only, you know, studios should only kind of do maybe one or two big blockbusters a summer. And I'd like to see every other movie that comes out every other Friday just kind of be smaller uh, and more sol- smaller scale and just budget and, and what what the topic and what the story is and everything. I think I think that's the wrong is they're just kind of focusing too much on these big, big projects and these big, big ideas and these big, big budgets and everything. It's like I think they just kind of need to bring it 
down to a smaller scale, and I think I'd be right. Um, what they're doing right, I just I'm just gonna take it to one movie in Inception. I think I think that's the best thing. I mean, it's obviously the best thing they've done this summer, but I just think it's the best thing they could do right now because we're swamped in sea of just sort of rehashes and remakes and sequels, and it was so nice to see something you know pretty original come out this summer and for them to green light something original um it really and it worked for them it made a lot of money it's the most successful movie of the summer i'm um, probably going to be you know one of the best movies of the year made like critically wise um so i think that's what they're doing right is whenever they can release something original uh, i think they're you know making good pass whether whether it's a big box office smash or not at least they're trying something different i guess i guess i'm kind of in line with that i, I think they're I think that there's they're letting at least a couple of these guys, these bigger directors, at least you know, write and direct their movies or you know, of original ideas. And if we can get more of that, like that, that that's I think a good. Even if the movies aren't good, I just would like to see more of that. Just less rehashing of things, less adaptions or adaptations, mm-hmm. if you want to call them. Uh, I don't know, just less of that. Like I think next year or at least later this year, like there's a couple things like that. You know, real kind of auteur directors are kind of. Putting out a couple of big movies, like you have the Social Network coming out, and um, I don't know, I'm trying to have time ahead. There was definitely a few more in the in the. You've got the Witch of Storm Mat- Mountain or whatever it's called, Nick Cage. It's going to be <laughs> yeah, a smash hit, critical success. <laughs> the, the, the town, the town looks pretty good. That's I'm happy. Yeah, to see the town, it. the town looks awesome. I can't wait for the town. Um, I don't know. There's a couple of things that look good in the fall. I think the Tron Tron sequel. If they're going to do sequels, like that looks like that's the right way to do it. Now, see, um, and and uh, not to interrupt you, but. Now, if that wants to be 3D, I understand why. (laughs) See, that makes sense. And if you looked at the trailer, they're like, yeah, we got it in real 3D. We got an IMAX. We got it in this 3D. It's like we covered all the bases. But see, Tron has that look. It's that type of film that you can – I'm fine with that. But I can also go see it in 2D if I want to. So go ahead. And Olivia Wilde looks amazing in that trailer. But uh, (laughs) – the chick with the black hair. chick with the black hair on the couch. Yeah, she's pretty good looking. (laughs) But – um, I think what Hollywood's doing wrong is the color palettes, obviously. Uh, that, that, that orange color palette that's been in like every big movie is just disgusting and it needs to stop. Uh, but <laughs> that's, a, that's, a whole other, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. People are supposed to be orange, right? That's yes. not the way it's supposed to be. Uh, but I don't know. I think, like I said, I think, um, I think Universal, I'll give Universal some credit. I think with their, well, their comedies. Um, like they're letting like Judd Apatow kind of bring all these other like younger directors in and they're kind of just letting them do what they do. Um, I think I can't Nicholas Stoller who directed Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Get Him to the Greek, which was a movie I did enjoy this summer. Yes. Um, like he he talked about that, like he had never directed anything before Forgetting Sarah Marshall because Apatow was able just to say, hey, let's just give this kid a shot. And he kind of went in the meeting and kept his mouth shut. He got the gig. And like he just kind of learned as he did, you know, as he did it. And the movie came out great. And then he got to do another one. You know, it's like more of that. Let's just give some people like, you know, that got the fire. Just let them go do it. Like you that's, learned that's, something. Uh, yeah. Just, just give 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 a young director ten million bucks. Let him go do what he wants. But again, that's an ideal world. And I mean it's you know, I'd love to see that. It's it's actually them. happening. You just don't know about it. You get, like the right producers are behind something that can get it done. Yeah. Um you know, I just I more of that, like more of that. Like I think that that's that's that that that's what that's one thing certain areas of Hollywood are doing right. But at the same time, Universal also released a piece of shit Wolfman movie this year, so I can't totally. Well, um, and, <laughs> and we know that film was in the can for a couple of years, so yeah. and it was re-edited like a million times. Oh, yeah. yeah, a couple of things about getting about getting it wrong. Not every film needs to be three D. We discussed that already. That's all I'm going to say about that. My other issue is is that. I know how the industry feels about female leads, especially with action films. 
But my my whole big problem is is that if you're going to do an action like a film with an actual female lead, actually it's, it's it's you know a female lead, can it be somebody other than Angelina Jolie? I love Angelina Jolie. Don't get me wrong. Please don't get me wrong. I'm <clears throat> I'm talking about like whether it be action, sci-fi, or anything else because we're always going to get about thirty versions of Eat, Pray, Love every single year. Okay, that that's just going to happen. Uh, you know uh, that I expect. Yeah, it might be good. It might be no, good. No, no, no. And I'm not knocking it. I'm not, not. I'm not knocking the film. I'm just, just as an example. We get that type of theme film with female leads every single year. But as far as like on the action tip, it's normally Jolie, and that's pretty much about it. Now, as far as you know, features that have ensemble cast. If you're going to hire, if you're going to hire, you know, if you're going to put a black woman in, can we get somebody other than Zoe Zaldana? I know she's the it girl right now because Halle Berry ain't doing anything. And I love Zoe Zaldana. She is beautiful. She can. Isn't act- Zoe Zaldana not actually black though? Hey, I heard I heard that somewhere. Was because like, someone made that point? Like she's the only. But like actually, she's not actually. Yeah, and she might. She <laughs> Same might, thing she, with Rosario Dawson. Everyone's like, oh, she's the only black. She's not black. She's not black. <laughs> but but, see, well, that's, but that's the key to being a successful uh, black actress, apparently. But well, let, let me Very sad state of affairs. Let, let me let me rephrase that. Like, okay, let's just say I'll, I'll just say I'll just say woman of color because yeah, that's a whole other thing too. Like, I I come from a world where basically, even if you're quarter black, if if you look black, you're black, and that's the world I've dealt with. So. But, like, it's Zoe Zaldana right now, and that's it. And, like I said, I love her. I think she is talented beyond measure. But why can't I get Kerry Washington? You, you know what I mean? I, there's so many actresses out there, and they are just not being seen right now. And I know when Hollywood rolls that hot hand, especially when it comes to minorities, when they roll that hot hand, it's like, it's just you. It's, it's the musical equivalent of growing up, I had Erica Badu. Then the music industry said, you know what? We just want Jill Scott. Erica, you got to go somewhere. And then it was like, and then it moved to somebody else. And then both of y'all have to go somewhere. And it's it's like that. So I got, you know, that's that's one couple of those things I think they're doing wrong. Also, 20th Century Fox, watch your movie stacking. You really did that wrong. Y'all had a chance to really make some capital this summer. You know, I really think y'all dropped the ball on that. When Predator, when, when Predators came out and made $25 million opening weekend on a film that only cost $40 million to make, Y'all should have really bumped that up. I'd have put that in more theaters. But what did you do? You pulled back. You pulled back your number of screens. So you know, and then they could have ended up making more money in the states. Oh yeah, they made their money back. They they're cool. They don't have anything to worry about. They're good. And there's going to be another one. And it was it was a cool movie. I'm cool with it because Rodriguez did it right. And actually, they should have got him to do that over like a decade, two decades ago. Oh, I'm sorry, a decade ago when they had the chance. He came. He came to them. Said, look, let's do this. They said no, and now they came to him. But another problem that I have is 20th Century Fox, do not sit on your laurels with with the success of Avatar. Avatar made a lot of money for y'all. And, you know, and a lot of that money is is put into your overall gross for 2010. That movie came out in 2000, late, in late 2009, but it all a lot of that money rolled over to this year. You take out Avatar's overall gross for this year, 20th Century Fox ain't made jack because all their movies that they stacked from June to July did not fare well. So that's something for them to think about for next year because they look good right now because right now they're the number two studio in the country behind Paramount. But you take out Avatar, they're struggling. And so they really got to look at what they're going to do next year because I, they got problems. Now, as far as, as far as what's good, being able to see films come out like the losers, I think that's good. 
because yeah, I, you know, in my in my lifetime, I would never think a movie like that would would actually be made. Let's see what nonetheless else? be good. I guess. Yes, there you go, there you go, and and I and, and I agree, I agree with you on get him to the Greek. I thought that movie was awesome. I thought that was very good. I did not expect that. I am. It was not a surprise because I wasn't because I love forgetting Sarah Marshall so much. Mm-hmm. When I saw they were doing another one, it was like they were just going to kind of ignore that movie. I was like, well, why do that? You know. But I actually watched it and it was fun. Yeah, um, I like. I'm not a Russell Brand fan at all, but that movie he I, works in those. He, he, I think. Yeah, he works. He works in it. Um, a film that actually was made a couple years ago. It just took him a while to put it together. Was Despicable Me, and I know a lot of people I know couldn't stand it, but as far as a kids' film goes, I I absolutely loved it. Mm. My you know my inner child was happy, and I know there are a lot of people that that don't like that film at all. But I think that was a sleeper this year. I don't I don't think anybody expected that movie to do jack, and it ended up making over two hundred million dollars in the states. Well, it was nice because that's that's not a. It's not based on anything, right? That's, exactly. That was just, no, it's yeah. original. Yeah, and I'm cool with that. And and I and I really really dug that. I yeah. definitely agree with you on the on the female leads thing. Like, I think it's time to get over whatever the fuck is going on at these studios. Where like, I know like I remember Brian Bendis talked about this because like, the Jinx. It was a Jinx or the torso. It was Jinx. It was a Jinx movie. It was supposed to. It was it was like one inch away from going into production, and like Domino came out and didn't do well. So they just said, all right, since that didn't do well. No more female lead movies. Right. And, like, I know a lot of people hate Domino. I love Domino. I thought that was an awesome movie. I do, too. I think um, it's a great and, movie. But, I, but at the same time, like, you can't base... You can't just base any movie with a female... Oh, because this one didn't do well. Even though this other yeah. movie would be nothing like that movie. Like, that... Oh, they're all just Well, I mean, like, it, it, I just think it's funny, like, when they try to generalize on, like, movies and on film. Like, when film is so subjective, like, it's just every film is a different different context for something it's just like oh well if you know the dark night was dark then we got to make everything dark and gritty you know what i mean and like you just you don't do that with movies because every movie is something different and acts something different and you think like these studios with all the power and all the money and these guys with their phds and whatever and going to these ivy league schools and how smart they are or whatever (laughs) whatever i don't know phds and being phds and jackassery maybe i don't know yeah like you know you think like, but you think how smart they claim to be or whatever. Like they could figure something as simple like that. If I can kind of figure that out, like you think they could too. I, I don't know. I just find that really odd. Especially, I think there's like there's a lot of there's a lot of great female actresses out there that I think could do good as a lead. Not even necessarily an action movie. But I'd just like to see any- Kristen. I'd like to see Kristen Bell also, do like uh, an action movie. Uh, yeah, I think that'd be cool. I like think she could see, pull it off. Um, Allison Brie, I'd like to see do something. I think that she's underutilized. She's on two TV shows, but I think I could, you could definitely do something good with her in a in a movie. Like I don't know. I just there's a I don't know. There's a lot of people. I'm just surprised that there's. I was happy in Inception at least. Like Ellen Page, I think got a, a yeah. Great she role got a pretty that, good. They didn't. They didn't I'd do like anything. To, I'd honestly like to see Kara Knightley again because like we referenced Domino. Like I liked her quite a bit in that movie. I think but I was saying with, do... with with Inception with Ellen Page, like they didn't do anything like oh make her have a love interest. Or any of this other stuff they do in all these other movies, where like they'll have a nice strong female character and then they'll go to all these crutches. Oh well, she really likes this boy, so here's a vulnerable one. Like, no, nah, just that's it. She's just there and like she's just doing her job, just like any other character, you know. Yeah. But she's still a girl, you know. They didn't make her manly because of it. Like they right. let her keep her feminine qualities and everything. It's like, why can't more people just do that? Like, I don't understand why. I don't know. It's too much with like demographics. And, oh, you got to hit this target. You got to like, throw this scene in because it'll play really nicely with the 10 to 12 crowd. Like, that stuff has got to me. Like, that's the thing that's got to go. Yeah. Just start making <clears throat> films again. Don't worry yeah. so much about 
Yeah, demographic. What Texas thought cares. Demographics and focus <laughs> groups kill movies. Kill them. Mm. Kill them. They kill creativity. Period. Yes. It's it's never a good look. And in studios, if you want to make a 3D film, I'm just gonna say this one last time. I'll never bring it up again. Start from the jump, 3D. Do not film it in 2D and give me a shitty 3D conversion, y'all. That that's just mm-hmm. bullshit. You keep doing that. Guess what? People will not fool you with your 3D movies at all. They won't. And eventually, if you keep pushing 3D on people with fake with fake ass conversions, people just won't go. You'll still have some that will, but a lot that won't. And that's gonna hurt your overall box office receipts. So cut the shit out. So heard that, sir. Something to look out for in 2011, and don't be surprised if you see more of this. You're going to start seeing, uh, you're probably going to start seeing influx of television companies, like the CBS's, and well, NBC's part of Universal, but you're going to start to see more films from television networks. CBS did it this year with a couple of films, Extraordinary Measures and the film with uh, Jennifer Lopez. And I think they got another yeah, one Yeah, isn't NBC's like bringing back like weekly family movie night or something? Because I remember, I think it was, I went to the theater recently and I saw some trailer like before the actual official trailers for some like NBC movie and they're doing some sort. They're bringing back like weekly family movie night yeah, or something. Yeah, and that's just for home. But like CBS is like making movies for the theaters. Oh wow! They're, they're, okay. Because there are two films this year were the backup plan and extraordinary measures. And I'm off to a great start already, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now see, at least with the backup plan, they broke even as far as like production budget and worldwide totals. But with extraordinary measures, I remember when I first saw that trailer, I'm like, this looks like a Sunday night. CBS movie, and then lo and behold, distributor CBS <laughs> Films. And I'm like, oh, oh, you know, and it costs 31 million to make worldwide. It makes 14 million. They're praying for Netflix and DVD sales. And Those DVD are the ones. kind of movies that they need to stop making. Yeah, like yeah. cancer movies and also their manipulation. <laughs> oh, I'm so sad because I, I can't stand that stuff at all. I, I know, I know, some people like it, but you know, whatever. Save that for Lifetime. I don't need that on a. Uh, Lifetime, the network for people with a little life and a lot of time. (laughs) The way I remember Lifetime. We got to wrap things up. Joey, can you tell people where to find Matinee Idols? And then after that, Alec, can you tell people where to get Teenage Wasteland? Do it, Joe. Can we also plug the the chemical box? Yes, you can. Okay, all right. Me and Alec both do, uh, we do two podcasts, actually. Uh, we do um, Matinee Idols, which uh, if you like this movie talk, you'll probably enjoy that show. Uh, that's uh, www.matineeidols.com, Idols spelled I-D-L-E-S. Um, also, visit the site as well. There will be written content, some stuff from Sean, hopefully coming soon. So uh, look out for that. Um, me and Alec also do another show with our uh, friend uh, Gene. If you go on like the comic forums, it's like Odin's son. It's like uh, called the Chemical Box. You may remember there was a shortly lived Chemical Box last summer, but uh, let's we're not back. reference that. <laughs> yeah, let's not. Maybe just cut that part out. But, uh, <laughs> no, no, it's it's good. Keep going. But uh, it's a little different than the than the original version. Uh, it's really just mostly just talking comics now. It's kind of just. Uh, I don't know. We're just kind of sitting and just talking about whatever. It's just, it's pretty much the chemical box is just like the conversations me, Joey, and Gene would have like as friends just 
you know, but we're just recording them and giving them to an audience and we just have a lot of fun with it and, you know, we joke around. There's a lot of, I don't know, it's just, it's just our conversations kind of like, I don't know, kind of like 11 o'clock comics or some of the stuff like uh, Kevin Smith does with Smodcast, just conversation between friends. And that's a chemicalbox.blogspot.com. You can find that. Yeah, and, and both Chemical Box and Matt and the Idols are in iTunes, so if you get your podcast from there, you can search them and get them from that way. It's probably the easiest way to do it. Um, and then, as mentioned back in the introduction, I do my own podcast, Teenage Wasteland. It's how I got started with all this stuff. Uh, it's just me. It's a solo podcast, but I, it's pretty much the way I describe it is an audio blog where I just come on and talk about you know entertainment and pop culture that I'm enjoying, uh, mostly comic books. I'm doing some music stuff now, and I leave the movie stuff for MI, but that's at teenagewastelandpodcast.blogspot.com, and that show is also on iTunes. Gentlemen, thank you again for uh, coming on the show today. Had a really great time, and um, hopefully we can get you guys back on again in the near future. Yeah, awesome. man. I, Anytime, I had a man. Great time. I had a great time. You know, and if you ever want to discuss that Puff Daddy video again, you know, we 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 <laughs> we, we, we need we'll to hold you down. to that, man. We so no, to you're gonna agree to that. That's gonna happen. So <laughs> idea. We sit down. Matt Daniels extra comfortable. We, we all get on YouTube and then we load up. Come with me, and we put our we hover our mouse icons over the play button. We count down to three. Uh-huh. We all hit play, and we just record a commentary. On the video, and we released you know, that. I've already done great. several of the Come to Me video. Comments. We have. We've like watched it and just like commented on. It. Why is he turning into doves? <laughs> why, is he, why is he wearing this white suit? And it's just I don't know. I think we should do that. I think we should give that to the people. What was wrong with that building? Oh, it's, it's a Godzilla. Okay, yeah. I okay. <laughs> oh my god, I love that song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy, I wish I still had that somewhere. I, I may have that somewhere. I have the soundtrack. I can burn you a copy, sir. <laughs> Just you email oh, me. Burning. I could probably like, find that at like the, the record store for like I 50 know. cents. <laughs> Just email me and be like, Alec, I really need to hear some old school Puff Daddy singing the Godzilla. And I'll just hook you up with a copy. I'll send it right to you. Put it right in the mail. It'll be to you. And that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is available via iTunes, or you can go to pkdmedia.com to get our show, check out our forum, and read comics like Mercury and the Murd, XO1 and the Rock Solid Steelbots, Agents of Cult, and Luke Foster's The Gang from the Store, six days a week for free. And if you're on iTunes or our forum board, drop us a line or email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard. All right, on the line right now, I have uh, two very good friends of mine. They are also fellow co-hosts of the Matinee Idols podcast. I have um, with me Joey. Uh, wait, actually, I'm going to start this all over again because I always fuck up Joey's last name before. I do, too. But, you know, before, <laughs> yeah, and I've heard it a million times. And I'll see, you know, I'll say uh, uh, Alicio. 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 See, Alicio. See, I always want to say elite. It's Alicio. I'm going to write that shit down, even though I've heard it 45 fucking times. Um, uh, it's no biggie. We did it like a TW episode, and I pronounced it wrong as well. And he got mad at me, and I was like, "Yeah, I've only been talking to you for like a year <laughs> and a half." I got jokingly mad. I got <laughs> oh yeah, whatever. But, yeah, I do it too. So the funny is that Matt spelt my name like I couldn't even recognize what he spelled. What he spelled. I'm like, is that who is on your show? I'm like, it's you. I'm like, oh, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize. Well, at least I can spell it. I can. Yeah, spell I know. At least All I can right. spell it. <laughs> Let's try this again. All right, now on the call, I have uh, two 
fellow host of the Matinee Idols podcast. Um, on on line number one is, oh, God damn it! Try to get <laughs> rewind, dude. You do this shit all the fucking time. You think you get your shit down by now? See, this is what happens. I free talk for like two hours, no problem. Then we start the show. Beep beep. Fuck ups. All right, here we go. <sighs> See, I'm just trying not to let y'all down. That's my problem. <laughs> you can always just edit it, right? You did it perfectly fine before. Oh, okay, cool. Edit. Yeah, it is true. See, editing. There you go. All right. You it's an adventure for the whole so family. Dance. I think we're actually missing the finale tonight. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> Christ. Man, oh, what am I going to do? Lord. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. All right, well, cool. No, no, I, I get you. I just sometimes, sometimes it just it it annoys me. I guess I, I mean, sometimes. But well, I mean, it annoys everybody. And like I said, it's just it's annoying in that moment. But I don't know. I kind of like the story. Like if I had to deal with your situation there, Sean, like I don't think I'd be as like chipper about it, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, I, I can't honestly say I haven't really had anything like that happen. At least not that I can remember. But I hear a lot about it, and it's just like I'm just like, wow, what what's going on at some of these theaters? Like people are. Bringing like their entire families and like their computers in with them and shit. It's yeah. like, I don't know. I don't get that. Oh yeah, you know it, it's 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 like it's like the family that like takes their like three year old to go see uh, the new Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm like, really serious? See, that's that selfish bullshit that I can't deal with. But anyway, I'm going people to... texting all the time annoys the shit out of me though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that... me trying to even people I know I'm friends with. I'm trying to like talk, have a conversation, and they're fucking texting on their phone. Like, come on, can you put it away for like five minutes? Like, it's like I don't know. I don't. I don't get like. Oh, that's another. That's another problem I have with this uh, generation. <laughs> I'll just never. I'll, I'll remember never to take my cell phone out around you, <laughs> and I think I'll be all right. Uh, all right, we'll check it. And you know what? This has been a great recording, and this has been a hell of a show, and I really had a good time, and I'm glad that uh, you two gentlemen came on for the state of the f- our state of the film industry talk, <laughs> and um, and oh, uh, and thank you so much for. You being need like a like a one of those monitors in the background after you say that, like that you know someone is dying kind of sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the sorcerer's apprentice just died. Uh, oh, it's the cage. Come I'm, on. I'm sorry, I'd still, man. Yeah, I'll speaking move. of Sorcerer, I still never got my Sorcerer's Apprentice extra from Matt and the Idol from you, Alec. Well, I haven't seen it. We'll see when it. When I get around, it's not in theaters anymore, is it? Oh, it I, don't oh. I don't know. I'm going to give you a Wild at Heart extra. Some more Nick No, Cage. we're going to do Wild at Heart, I think, at some point. That's like, something weird bit. about me. I got a weird, like, Nick Cage fascination. I don't know. <laughs> That's all right, man. It's okay. It's it's yeah. it's okay. Look, I, I like I like bad Nick Cage movies. They just make me chuckle and you know, make me feel good. So how many times have you watched Con Air? Oh my God! Don't even get me started. On <laughs> I love that movie so much. Well, Wild at Heart isn't a bad movie though. No, it's not. No, it's well, not. it's whatever. Nick Cage movies in general, but the the bad <laughs> ones kind of stick to me because Con Air. I love Con Air. I've seen that movie. And Con, Con Air's got everybody and they mama in that movie. Yes, sir. And you've got Nick Cage rocking the long grizzly hair. Yes. On a plane, Dave just, Chappelle or whatever is like. Yeah, he's, in, <laughs> he's in prison for something. I love that movie. Uh, well, I'd rather you watch that than Furry Vengeance. So um, I'm fine with that. Yeah, Vern had to sit through that recently. Oh, <laughs> oh my! <With> kid. <laughs> His kids did loved it. <laughs> did you do a review of it on the show? I think didn't he? No, I off can't. air. He was telling. Oh, us that's about right. It. That's right. That's right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, but before we end the show. 
So if you ever that is need an old school Puff Daddy, is him like rapping underneath like the Biggie records. Well, that's just, the old school yeah. Puff Daddy. Yeah, I know. Uh -huh. Okay, you're talking hey, to yeah. a white. <laughs> hey, 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 man! Don't don't nothing beat don't nothing beat Puffy or Diddy ad libs over any track. <laughs> yeah, actually, because I, I I've been listening to the uh, like um, Ready to Die remaster. I don't know if you got that they put out a couple years ago, mm -hmm. uh, and you now you can really hear Diddy underneath everything. Because I was like listening to it in the car, I'm like I never even heard that before. I'm like, what's it saying? I'm like, I, I'm trying to listen in. The, like, the, I have that album, but Juicy I never sounds heard that. completely different now. Mm -hmm. Wow, the best Puffy soundbite of all time is right before Hypnotize starts. It's like Puffy stabbing somebody. He's like, take that, take that, take that, take that. I fall out every time I hear that shit. I cannot <laughs> help it. <laughs> take that, take that, take that. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Come on now. You ain't no, you, come on now. Let's no, stop it. Stop it. But, I always love how you have to say, like, hypnotize. Like, right after, like, as if we didn't hear him just say it. <laughs> you just got to, like, take it a little bit more. Just in case, like a subliminal hypnotize, you know? Oh, it's oh. classic. Well, Guys, thanks again for being on the show. And yeah, we may have to do that come with me uh, commentary. So uh, I I'll get with y'all on, <laughs> on that sometime in the future, I promise. All right, well, Sounds good. good.